The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. Hey, this is Dan from Stryker, and you're listening to Radioactive Metal. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a Striker, Striker episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 701. And I'm Snowy White. And dear listeners, this is Aaron. Oh, I hate when I like just totally lose my train of thought. What a, oh, yeah. True Call Coffee. Yeah, this, so that sucked. <laughs> T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. Go there subscribe you're not only not going to run out of coffee you're going to get not one great band but two great bands every month with your coffee um they do more than just coffee they do awesome mugs there's also like a sister company by the same person embodiment Mm -hmm. printing press um and he's so coffee me no culta dude i i love his work when he just decides like i'm gonna make something he just figures stuff out like, he just figures shit out. And it's great. Like, have you seen the busts he's been 3D printing and putting online? Mm-hmm. Like, the cool Iron stuff. Maiden busts and stuff like that? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, wow, this is really good stuff. Like, he's making really nice work. Um, so, yeah. Like, go out to True Call Coffee. Check that out. Follow him on Instagram, trve.kvlt.coffee. Um, and then I think if you just search embodiment printing press, when you see something that looks like an octopus, that's his logo. So, uh, trust me, follow both of those. That's good stuff. All right. What's going on, Snowman? Uh, well, myself, um, not a heck of a lot really going on in my world today, Friday, May 27th, as we speak, which is kind of, it's kind of a, Kind of a bummer. I mean, I'm glad you and I are sitting down and doing this. This is obviously priority when it comes to our our free time and all that. But the Maryland Death Festival is going on this weekend right now as we speak. And I had plans on being there. <laughs> you know, like, I, before the plague hit, I was, I was going. My dad was actually, well, okay, I'll 
why don't you and I go there? I'll go and find something to do in Baltimore while you're doing off your headbang and shit and all that. Let's okay, sounds good. Okay, and for one reason or another, it just never happened. And then, the, like I said, the COVID hit and this festival was down. I made plans to go to this one, but unfortunately, one reason or another, it just it just didn't work out. So my Facebook, and we've got lots of mutual friends there and people that we deal with behind the scenes and all that. They're all there. They're all having a good time. And they got to remind us with all their Facebook posts. <laughs> but I'm glad to see it. And I'm glad I'm glad people are there are having a really good time. I just kind of wish that we were there. If we couldn't be there, dude. Okay. Our good buddies in shit happens here in Winnipeg. They're in Ottawa, the nation's Canada's nation's capital right now for the Ottawa Punk Festival that they're headlining tonight as we speak. So we got that going on. We got this going on. Okay. What's going on here in Winnipeg? Well, Henry Rollins is in town tonight doing his spoken word. And it's like, okay, I'm not making it to Maryland. I can't can't go out to Ottawa with you guys. Okay, at at least I've got this. And then it leaves my head. Okay, because there's a lot of other things going on in the world and all that. And by then, it was just, ugh, damn it. Oh, well. <laughs> it's too late. But you know what? I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, like I said, you and I, we're sitting down. We're doing this. We're going to continue right from here to have an amazing weekend. I know we're both looking forward to, because we're both Star Wars fanatics, looking forward to Obi-Wan, the first couple episodes this weekend. So, actually, as soon as I'm done here, as soon as we're done, I'm just going downstairs and I'm sitting in front of the TV. I'm shutting my phone off. Anyone that wants to call me, well, they're going to have to wait. They're going to have to wait a while. Really looking forward to that. So, before we kind of get on with everything, because we do have a kick-ass creature feature once again from... The Manitoba Metal Fest that was here just a couple weekends, a couple weekends ago, as you, as of course, as our listeners will recall, we had that amazing interview with Dan Beeler from Exciter. Well, this time around, um, we sat down with Dan Cleary from Striker. Had a fantastic chat with him about everything that was been going on the last couple years within their camp. So we're eager to get to that but before we do before we get into everything before you know particularly i'm thinking the mandatory metal segment i do a little bit of uh radioactive metal house cleaning here because my good my good buddy little sydney it is her 25th birthday today oh wow who sydney is that's that's ducky's little sister and of course, our longtime listeners know who Ducky is and all that. Good, good friend of ours, good friend of the show. We've had him on many times, and all that. Yeah, she's kind of like my little sister, too. So yeah, happy, happy birthday to Sid. And and it is one Linnea Quigley's birthday today. No way. Yeah, yeah. Who is 
got a few more years on Sid. I'm not going to go into any details. Just you know, just a case. Just, just, just a couple, shall, shall we say. But but she's still looking fantastic, and she's, she's still working. In case anyone is kind of wondering, well, who the hell are they talking about? Well, Linnea Quigley was one of the all-time great 80s low-budget bee queens, which... Um, She's just been in a, num- a number of my favorite films, and like like Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Demons, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, all these fantastic films back then. And she's just been a favorite of mine over all these years as well. And back in the day, before her acting career really started to take off, she was in an L.A. punk band called The Skirts as well. So, So there's that. That's always fun. So, yeah, I've been a big fan. I remember even Mrs. Snowy and I hopping on a plane 1990, I want to say, because the Fangoria, the Fangoria weekend convention was, was happening in Toronto that year. So had a fantastic time meeting her, her and her husband, Steve Johnson, the FX artist back then, just hanging out in the hotel lobby, have, having a great chat and all that, and so, yeah, so when I saw that it was Miss Quigley's birthday today, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, happy birthday. Happy That's birthday. awesome, dude. For sure, for sure, yeah. Um, but like I said, at the top of the hop, we don't have anything else going on here. We got a big show. That's not, okay, we went into extra innings last last <laughs> last week, okay? Yes, we oh, did. It was just... It was just on the other side of three hours. I don't think we're going to get into it that much. Okay, but hey, I'm, I make no bones and I make no apologies because we had that, that, that two-week hiatus and there was a lot of stuff to talk about. Well, and I make no and, guarantees. Tonight we're talking about guitars and skateboards. I mean, <clears throat> if I were oh, you guys, okay. I'd pack Uh-oh. a lunch, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. So what we'll do... Is like my dad says, we're going to get on with the grunt here and get into this week's mandatory metal segment. Really cool band. Definitely one of the highlights from the Manitoba Metal Fest was Quebec Death Metalers' Outer Tomb. Their latest record, Abyss Mortifier, is available now. Let's go. Okay, when I was going through the track listing and they're all awesome songs okay when i was going through the track listing it's like okay i have to play the song called cenobites obviously so in tonight's mandatory metal segment this is outer tomb with cenobites Yeah. 
been very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. Hey, bro. Got the lemmies flowing here in my motorhead mug, so I want to hear what's going on down in your neck of the woods. All right. Well, let's start with uh, my son had his first audition, and we just like recorded and sent it in, that sort of thing. But he auditioned for a voiceover role for a video game this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, um, do we talk about going to see the Sonic 2 movie? Not on air. Okay, so Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2 are out, and we just saw Sonic 2. And he was thrilled to see Shadow was in it. He's like, oh, maybe they don't have Shadow. I could be Shadow. You know, he was like on this kick where he wanted to do the voice for him. I'm like, mm-hmm. they probably have it already cast. I'm sure they probably have this figured out, you know, because they're teasing it. And um, he's like, well, let's look. And so when we're looking to just see, like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog voiceovers, we found this video game thing. Um, mm. So, you know, he's been practicing lines. We record them this week and we upload them and we'll see what happens. Awesome. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's fun. Like to and, see what hopefully something comes of that. Well, I, I'm, that's what I'm hoping to. And if nothing else, like this is the first of hopefully many, you know, because like I was telling him, like we'll celebrate his first submission, you know, the first audition that he does, but then we'll also get to celebrate the first role he gets, you know. So mm-hmm. we'll keep him going. Um, but it's funny <laughs> how much he doesn't know what I do, and it's not like I don't try to explain it. But you know how your kids just glaze over sometimes mm-hmm. because he's asking, he's like, "Well, how are we going to record?" And my wife and I both look at him like. Um, I've got stuff. You do? <laughs> like, he has uh-huh. not only seen me do it, he has come in and, like, snapped on my songs. Like, he has done this with me. And he just has no, like, no concept. But anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, that's been kind of fun. All right. Right so, on, right on. Excellent. Um, new Def Leppard out today. I saw that, and it's like really like okay. I I I have I have I have no opinion on it. I haven't given it a listen, but it's like, is there any demand for new Def Leppard material at all anymore? Well, I'm gonna say no, but I'm also gonna say they don't care. Well, and that's good. Then, it's as an artist, yeah. Well, exactly. It is when you listen to this record, you're gonna be like, oh, they don't give a fuck if anybody listens to this record, and it's great. Like it's, it's not them trying to redo anything like this one. They talk about, they're like, yeah, there are some bands that like really did it for us. Like they're, cause I think they, didn't they do like a country record a few years ago? Uh, something mm, to that effect. Well, didn't they have something like called the sparkle lounge or something? Yeah. Maybe something like that. But I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, they, they still can pack them in. They've still, you know, they've still got the draw. Obviously, people still want to see their, um, like, the, the, you know, the, the classic era. 80s. We'll see. 80s yeah. Def yeah. yeah. But, Pyromania to Adrenalize. Yeah, That's what man, people are interested in. These guys, dude. Like, this, I put on the album today. I'm like, all right. Because I, I was not a, a Leopard fan in the 80s. Like, I didn't want to listen to any of that stuff. I was so over all of it. It was so overplayed for me. I put mm-hmm. this record on. I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, this is really good. <laughs> and, I mean, it's rock and roll, man. It's, it's just, it's great. 
It's really a great book. I don't know. Right All right. I'm going to check it out. Have you heard of a band called Trollfest? Trollfest. Not fest. I have heard of some various different other trolls, though, but not Trollfest. I don't know what the hell this is. But um, this Trollfest, the album is called Flamingo Overlord. And it's in the metal section, but I don't feel that it's that heavy. But I listened to it anyway, and it's just so weird. I loved it. All right. It was really funny. Trollfest. Trollfest. Yeah. And then um, the band Cave In. I'd never heard of them, but I saw the new record. New Cave In. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy Pendulum. I put that on. I'm like, oh, this is real good. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. Um, I think Relapse picked that up, eh? What's that? I think Relapse. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, super, super good. I really dug that one. And then I was at Monster Music this week and picked up a Chuck Berry record on vinyl. I think it's like like one of the Chuck Berry hits records. But I just wanted any Chuck Berry vinyl because I don't think I've ever owned Chuck Berry on anything other than cassette. Oh, okay. Um, and especially because I was preparing for our discussion tonight, you know, so I'm like, I need a Chuck Berry record. You know? Of course. Inspiration. And, um, yeah. And last but not least, so I was taking the kids to school today, and um, I'm like, what do you guys want to listen to? My daughter wants to listen to Encanto. Uh, my son wants to listen to Sonic Forces. and um, But he was a little slow in the draw, so I was already playing Encanto by the time he decided <laughs> it. And of course, you know, if you've ever had more than one child um, that are both of your loins in the same car beside each other, you know they're going to fight. So he's okay. like under his breath saying mean things about Encanto and this is terrible. I'm like, listen, I'm like, if you guys don't quit fighting, um, I'm picking you music. He's like, go ahead. Can't yeah. be any worse than this. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, what? oh, is that a challenge? Oh. I'm like, okay. Oh. Um, and I'm like, is that what you guys want? And my, my daughter caught on quick. She's got this big grin. She's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And my son's trying to, you know, be all tough. Like, oh yeah, go ahead. So I put on Dillinger escape plan. One of us is the killer. Um, just the first two tracks, like, like Prancer and then, um, how I lost my bet. And like, dude, 30 seconds into Prancer, I'm like, I'm trying to watch his expression in the rearview mirror. And he's just trying, like, you know, you can just see the face and finally it's like, okay, okay, you win. You win. You win. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I knew I would. <laughs> okay, if you kids can't behave back there, I'll sick Uncle Snowy on you. That's exactly it, dude. Trust me. You do not want that. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. You should see the records he's got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, no, I'm glad we stopped at one. Uh, we were good. We were we were good with that. But but I'm so stoked that like you have kids that have are I don't think musically inclined. That when someone is musically inclined, that means they're gifted in playing music. But they, you have kids that are gravitating towards music. They're both music fans. They both enjoy listening to music a lot. Like it's it's a it's a big deal for both of them. Completely different styles, right? But that was right. me and my sister too. Um, 
my daughter's actually picked up playing flute. She's just started oh, okay. taking lessons the last couple months. And my Guess son. Better buy her some tall. Yeah. And well, so my son, he um he he started being able to whistle, and I'm not making this up. He he was whistling by the age of six months. Oh, okay. Like like melodic wow. whistles. Like like wow. more than just like sucking air and getting a pitch, like like making mm-hmm. up melodies with whistles, right? From six months. He's just always been able to do it. And um for the talent show, he got up and he whistled Super Smash Brothers. Oh, nice! Yeah, the theme because because he he loves the kind of orchestral kind of you know soundtracky kind of themes. So um, he yeah he gets up there and he does that and the the school's music teacher was raving about him and pointed out they're like um, did everybody else notice that he didn't take a breath that means he can whistle while he's inhaling or exhaling. She's like, that's wow. a big deal, you know. It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, and and no training, he just does it, you know. That's that's what's awesome. So, have yeah. you introduced him to GNR's patients? Oh, that's a good idea. Well, it's um, I actually play for him Colonel Bogey's March. You know that one from the Bridge Over the River Kwai. No. I don't, oh, hang on. I probably should. Okay, like maybe maybe to hear it. <laughs> oh, of course, yes. Yes, okay. Yeah, I figured the minute you heard it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that one. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm like, you should do this one next year, you know. Right on, right on. And when he's a little older, okay, Jagal band Centerfold. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic. No, seriously, that's a fantastic whistling. Oh, it's that. absolutely fantastic whistling, and um, we've already listened to it, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know. I, didn't, I didn't want to be suggesting that song to, he's what, nine? Uh, no, he's older than that. He's going to be, hang on, he's 12? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's going to be a teenager. I'm sorry. I... No, like, dude, I still think they're both like eight and nine. Like, like I can't oh, believe I... that, um, you know, I've got tweens at this point. Like, it's it's crazy, you know. I call my 30-year-old my little girl. Well, yeah. You know. Yeah, and that, that's so, how it's always so going to be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but no, like we've already listened to the Jay Guile stuff. And I mean, uh, okay. thankfully, in today's super uptight world, nobody really knows what a centerfold is anymore. <laughs> no, that's true, eh? Yeah. Yeah, well, now I'm, like I'm still in front of the magazine racks, and I don't see any of the girly magazines. Nope. We are going to go to the graves of the last generation. Yeah. And I'm not even being a perv here, okay? Like, there have been some, some good... Like Playboy has made some amazing issues. Okay, um, I remember my wife brought home an issue of Hustler for me because the voluptuous horror of Karen Black was in it. Oh wow! And 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 all that. So yeah, like whenever there was something like that, you know, like okay, all the nudies and all that. That's that's an added bonus. But there there were times some of these so called skin mags and all that, like. They had some cool stuff. And, of course, it's it's that rite of passage. You know, when a boy becomes a man, when, when we were younger, the the reading the, the playboys underneath the blanket with the flashlight <laughs> or finding your dad's stash, you know, or I, I don't know, you're you meet a new a new kid and he's got a stack of them in his treehouse. Yeah. For me, it was always the neighbors. Like, 
you know. Well, of course, yeah. Like yeah. There's, there was that that was a part of life which I just I don't think kids get that. Oh, definitely because not. Because all they got to do is go on their phone and there's yeah, which is pretty sad. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's readily just... available, but yet it's I feel like the art's gone. Mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they, you know, and say say what you want, whatever. Because you know, there's somebody who'll listen to this and be like, "You pigs!" It's like whatever. You know, I am sorry yeah, we you're uptight about your yeah. body, but I'm not uptight about mine, and I'm certainly not right. in like Arnold Schwarzenegger shape from you know the Terminator movies. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I like. I, I'm okay <laughs> being naked and like just you know accept for what it is. You know, like. Everybody's just so tight over everything, but um, I I did have a different point I was gonna make, and I can't remember where I was going, so can't be that important. (laughs) Like there was something there, but uh, oh well. Because we got distracted by the smut. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. Oh no, that's what I was gonna say. That's not the first time. I have the um, I have the Kiss Playboy from the nineties, where um, oh okay. Where, where I, I don't know if it was Gene or if it was the entire band, but I feel like Gene had a heavy say in it. But basically, Kiss picked um, the the Playmates. And, of course, they're all in okay. Kiss makeup and all that sort of stuff. So, you know. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. I wouldn't mind fighting that. You don't have that? Oh, no. I, I honestly figured no. you would have that one. I bet your Rock has that one. I was going to say, yeah, because Rock, our former co-host Rock, and his his love, lovely wife have been in Playboy, not posing or anything, but they've been have had their pictures as Kiss fans done up in the Kiss makeup and all that. So oh, Rock can that. say That's that awesome. he's been, yeah, he was in a Kiss article about about Kiss fans that Playboy. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, put, 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 yeah really cool, really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yep, I have yeah. my so, um, my Kiss Playboy and my Kiss condom are stored together. <laughs> Long since yeah, expired, yeah. but you know. Yeah, yeah. See, I condoms haven't been a thing in our life for long, long time. Yeah. But that would be a cool novelty to have. Exactly, like, who, it's a who, Kiss condom. Who wants to? Yeah, who wants to soil that? I know. You know, yeah. besides, Mrs. Snowy just has never been a big Kiss fan. So I just don't see her. Like, if I was to try to put that on, here, baby, let's try this. She'd be like, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. But what if it was <laughs> okay. like glow in the dark with an outline of Jean's tongue on it? Okay, see? No, no, that, would, that wouldn't do nothing. No, me. no, nothing. I, I, nothing, no, no. <laughs> So I think she'd be like, yeah, you know what? No, I don't think nope, so. I'm done for the night. Never mind. Change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Hey, when I woke up this morning, I never thought I'd be having this conversation tonight. I, you know, what's funny is you'd think by now that we'd be prepared for whatever is going to happen. Because <laughs> you realize yeah. we say that almost every episode anymore. <laughs> That's right. Didn't think we were uh-huh. going to talk about this today. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> so I think maybe I'm just going to retire that from my repertoire because yeah, anything goes, anything goes on a Friday night when the lemmies are flowing. Hell yes. Right on, right on. So what else you got? That's everything, man. That's all of it. Okay, cool, cool. Right on. Thank you. Uh, myself, I hit the uh, I hit the record store 
as well. I grabbed a couple really cool records and a couple records that I just kind of bought because I saw them and they were kind of a joke. Okay, but first of all, I found the 2018 Halloween soundtrack on sweet, sweet vinyl here. With uh, what's it look like? Okay, well, okay, well, it's right because here. I, I think fits. I just saw that on uh, Wednesday in the record store. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's got the gatefold jacket, mm-hmm. and it's only it's only the one vinyl, but it's it's the promo poster for the movie of just up close of Michael Myers face on the, on the flip side. I did see that. I I saw the same thing at monster this week. Oh, crazy dude. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's the soundtrack from that one. And John Carpenter is back. He also supplied the music for Halloween kills. Okay. Which I found a cassette copy of that last year. Okay, now when I found, you know, the the Halloween on vinyl, it's like, oh, this is really sweet. Joe, John Carpenter is back. His son is his son Cody is with him with these with these movies, and Daniel Davies as well. And I think we talked about this before when I was talking about the Halloween Kills soundtrack. Daniel Davies is the uh, son of um, Dave Davies and. Oh, no nephew of uh, nephew Davies. of Ray yeah. Ray Davies from from the Kinks, yeah. So I was really excited when I saw that. I scooped that up right away. Another really cool record I grabbed was, and I didn't even know this awesome old school Canadian punk band even existed. But in the early '80s, out of Calgary. There was an awesome band called Riot Point 303. Okay, and our good buddy Brad down at Ear Control, he brought a bunch of these. You know, he, he had his he had his new his new releases, and he called me up, Snowy. Okay, what do you want? And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna check out this Riot 303. I gave it a listen. I listened to about 30 seconds of it. And it's like, okay, I want this. All right. I'm going through a little bit more. And as it turns out, the the dude, the vocalist of the band would eventually go on to form Beyond Possession. And I didn't know that. So it's like, okay, I'm really fucking sold and all that. This Riot 303 album, fantastic stuff um, with it. Because I think it's a compilation of like all of their EPs and demos and all that. You know how those hardcore bands did it and all that with later releases. Part of this, part of this release is this really cool six-page booklet. You could probably hear me flipping through it, and it's all done up like a uh, the old school fanzine, which you know that's true, and you know dear to my heart when i see stuff like that that's awesome so i'm man. like yeah it, it's it's fantastic and of course beyond possession amazing band you know from the mid the mid 80s they were you know they were all part of that um 
crossover scene, the metal and hardcore and, and punk bands like DRI and COC and the accused, all of those great crossover bands beyond possession were a big part of that. Now to see the roots of beyond. Okay. is is, is absolutely fantastic. Great record. We'll get <clears throat> to a little bit of that as well. Now I kind of, I haven't given these records a spin yet and I, I don't know really if I ever will, but I found a chipmunks record. No, which one? Okay, it's called Chipmunk Punk. Okay, it goes back to 1980 and it's the Chipmunks, Al- Alvin, Theodore, wow. and Simon. Okay, yeah. and I haven't given a listen, but I got a fair idea exactly what it is. Okay, but they're, it's them doing cover songs from from back then <laughs> okay they're doing the cars let, let's go tom petty's refugee blondie's wow. call me billy joel's you may be right my my sharona and the queen's little crazy little thing called love wow uh, it it was five bucks oh totally okay. worth it and that's fun uh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> and when i when i brought it up to the counter okay at well at at planet of sound big shout out to my buds there they were looking at my my records and they went oh okay this is cool you got something creepy and something zany and it's like yeah that's a that's a good way of looking at it and that okay puts you in a nutshell there dude (laughs) creepy and zany exactly Yeah, yeah. And another record, and I don't know if I will ever give this a listen and all that, but when I when I saw it secondhand, it too was five bucks. All right, you know what? I'm gonna shell out at the very least just just to have it. Okay, do you remember the sitcom Facts of Life? Why? Heck yeah. Of course, of course. Okay, were you and for our older listeners and all that, you know, they they'll they'll be able to relate to this conversation. Were you a Joe? Were you a Joe guy or were you a Blair guy? I'm still a Joe Polnicek guy. Um, she too. has Me never too. ceased being a beautiful woman, and and much like Lita Ford, I've never stopped having a crush. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, I it kind of left my head until I saw this record just sitting on on the rack. But Blair, Lisa Welchel, yeah, she was a Christian pop singer, yes, as well. I think yeah. she's still kind of doing it every oh, once yeah, in a while. Very active in it, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I found Lisa Welchel's "All Because of You" record. No. <laughs> Oh, rock on! Yes, and like I, I haven't given it a spin. One of these times, well, I guess maybe when I've had enough lemmies and all that, I will, I will, I will put it on. But I just, I just had to have it. Like I've had people say to me, you know, like, where do you find these records? Like you, you, you know, I see it on Facebook. You have all of these goofy records and all that. Where do you find them? And I'm like, I. I, you just they just pop out at me <laughs> i'm not afraid to take a take a look at a record and say okay you know what maybe this isn't something that i like but this is just so twisted 
you know, that I got to have it, <laughs> you know, it just, 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 just to have. And that, that is, like I said, I don't know if I'll ever play that <laughs> or not, but I'm glad I picked it. And it was five bucks. Jeez. Mrs. Yeah. Snowy spends more on coffee every day. It, um, I've heard her yeah. recordings. Um, is in the nineties. Um, well, actually when I was going to the Christian college, that's when I found out that she was still very active in that. And there's like I had oh, okay. a, um, a co-worker that was an alumni of the college I was going to. It's like, oh, have you heard of this? And, um, you know, she gave me a tape to listen to. And she she's very good. You know, but for you, for the style of music you're typically into, like I would definitely have a, have a couple of drinks in you and be in a very mellow mood. Um, <laughs> okay. Because like if you're in a mellow mood, I think you're going to enjoy it. You know, you kind of kind of get yourself into that, you know, headspace. But um, it is definitely not. Um, it's definitely not what you normally listen to. You know. No, no, I'm beginning to. Th- I'm thinking that <laughs> that it's not. No, no, for sure, for sure. Um, grabbed a couple of magazines as well. I'd actually had to renew my subscription to Decibel or Decibel magazine, as we like to call it. And of course, our longtime listeners, you know, knows the old joke as to why we call it Decibel. And so I won't go into too many details, but I had to renew the subscription. I did. I did miss a couple issues, but I'm going to back order them as well um what i know to be the latest issue is in my hot little fist right now on the cover we got candle mass the mighty candle mass we got some wutane mashuga destruction temple of void satan terror really cool stuff really good cool stuff and of course we've had you know we've had um writers and artists from Despel magazine on the show as well. I want us to give a big shout out to uh, Sean Frazier, who, you know, raid radioactive metal alum, the head honcho over at wise blood records and all that. He'll be happy to hear that. I re-upped again for another year. And while I don't have a subscription to this one, because I do still like to get out and um, hit the, uh, the record or hit the magazine racks as well i grabbed the new fistful of metal as well the um from england from england so yeah it doesn't i think it's quarterly so like it's it's not like i can yeah i'm not familiar gra- with that one. grab it all all the time yeah oh no no it, it, it's fantastic and it, it it definitely harkens me back to the ages of metal forces and Krang and, and metal hammer. They definitely have that vibe to it. And especially, especially the short run, the short lived iron fist magazine. I really dug that, um, radioactive metal of love. Aaron price was, uh, he's a contributor to this. Got Saxon on the cover. we got some Scorps. Sabaton, Crowbar, Annihilator, all the really cool stuff. And like magazines these days, especially, you know, from across the pond and all that, they're pushing 20 bucks. Okay, like 
I I see classic rock magazine on the stands like all the time, and it's like, oh man, like this just looks so good. Power Play is another great one, but these these are all pushing twenty bucks and all, and I can't drop. You know, I can't drop a hundred dollars every month just on magazines. Uh, dude, know? I'm with you. Like, so many months, magazines like, here are like forty bucks now. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. Time Life and all of those, you know, they're making okay because the 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 magazines as we know them are kind of a dying breed. You know, oh, I absolutely. remember like shit. You used to be able to get Hit Parade or. Uh, Metal Maniacs, Metal Edge, all on the on the rack at Seven Eleven, and now there is no magazine racks in convenience stores very much anymore. And when they do, it's all those one one shot issues where Time Life is, you know, all about Led Zeppelin, all about Van Halen, all about this, all about that, and and all that. Those those after taxes are running up to twenty bucks, so you kind of gotta pick and choose. You know what you want to, uh, you know, dr- drop your hard, cold heart, hard earned, cold hard cash for yeah. as well. And that that's really too bad. See, that's another thing. You know, it's kind of an extension of what we were saying about the about the girly magazines, like music magazines. Kids today are just they just don't know. You know, the thrill of finding that metal forces, finding that metal maniacs. Dude, even you guitar know. magazines. I mean, <clears throat> guitar magazines started mm-hmm. kind of going downhill in the 90s. You know, we started losing magazines back then. But, um, like, Guitar for the Practicing Musician was the magazine for me. You know, and I mean, there's, okay. you know, there's people are going to argue every which way about every magazine they grew up reading. But, like, Guitar Player was just articles, you know. Guitar World started with just articles and then added Tab, and then they've kind of taken over. But Guitar for the Practicing Musician was really always focused on the guitarist, like like the, the learning, working guitarist. There were always columns on how to be a better player. There, you know, When they would interview bands like Metallica, they would talk about their technique. How do you practice? How do you play? Let's talk... Like I've, I've, I think I've said on the show before. Like I learned how to palm mute from reading articles for on Metallica, you know, and interviews with them. Oh, okay. And um, they had some of the best transcriptions going every month. You get like four to five songs, and it was fantastic, you know. And like now, what's what's funny is like when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, what are they going to put this week? And there'd be like one or two classic rock songs, but it's always like, what's the hot thing? And now it's all songs I've already had before. I'm like, come on, guys. You're trying to tell me that there's nothing new that somebody wants to, doesn't want to learn? Like, it's, I, I think now they're just trying to sell a nostalgia because probably guys my age are the only people still buying it. But it's just not worth my time anymore. And it just sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just mm, the articles aren't as good. Just n- none of it, you know. So anyway, no, no, I'll climb off you. my soapbox. I'll go yell at a cloud now. <laughs> you know, it's okay. No, no, I totally, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, cool records here across my desk. Before we get into some tunes, 
German power metalers Gravedigger. October. Er, October. Oh, I'm looking forward to Halloween already. Oh, me too. August, We're halfway there. August, 20, August 26th, their new album, Symbol of Eternity, drops. The first video and single, Hell is My Purgatory, came across my desk. And Grave, Grave, okay, Gravedigger is a fantastic band. Okay, they're one of those bucket list interviews. I discovered them in oh, the mid-80s, you know, as one of those German thrash bands. Yeah. Okay, you know, that fell in nicely with the creators and the Sodoms and Destructors and Destructions and all that. But just kind of over the years, they've kind of evolved, progressed, whatever word you want to use, into almost like a totally different band. And I'm really digging what I hear here, here shell here here we say here 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 yeah yeah so i'm actually want to get into that tune and as well the band necromaniac their latest record play eater wasn't, wasn't that a cartoon in the 90s we're necromaniacs yeah yeah yes, yes. <laughs> yeah just just that name alone because there's been 800 necros. Oh, necros there's necro something. something. Yeah. And there's 800 maniacs, something maniac or maniac this or whatever and all that. Well, one of these, you know, black, black tinged thrash bands decided um, to make them with two to make to add these two compounds together. And instead of a, key, a C make it two Ks, and come up with the band Necromaniac. And I went... <sighs> All right. All right. Okay, let's let's put this on. I, I do at least enjoy, like, the double K. Because, like, <laughs> the Coffin Cats, you know, like... Right. Like, right. Coffin Cats spelled with a K wouldn't be as cool as Coffin Cats with two Cs. Like, right. two, two right. Cs have... versus, like, the double K. And maybe it's the KK Downing... Like, you know, like, I don't know. It's just cooler. It works. It, it works. It works. So I'm like, fine, let's, let's give this a listen. Actually, this is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think we got to play this. This is just some really cool shit right up your cool uncle Snowy's alley. So let's get on with some tunes, starting with. That awesome new Grave Digger single from Roar Records, Rock of Ages Records. Great upstart label. I'm really digging a lot of stuff they're coming out with as well. This is Grave Digger with Hell is My Purgatory.
on my feet And I was born and raised on the cement street People say I'm a two-walk for this job Well, fuck you, man, cause I'm having fun Cause we're just kids having a blast Doing things that will always last We're just kids having a blast We're living our lives really fast Let's go! That was the aforementioned Riot.303 with Skate Punk. I mean, once again, you know, it's a great record. I'm I'm checking out all the titles. Well, which one am I going to play? You know what? I think I have to play this song because it kind of it kind of encapsulates that moment. Okay, you know, because this band Beyond Possession as well would have would, you know, did they the whole skate punk thing with the old suicidal tendencies and Excel and, you know, that whole scene from the L.A. skate slash hard hardcore scene. It just it it, it just it, it, it was perfect. It was perfect. I had to go with that. And before that, the title track from Necromaniac with a plague eater. And as you as you saw. No doubt, you got halfway through that song and said, "Yeah, okay, that that's Snowy's thing. That's Snowy's thing. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah." As we mentioned last episode, and as we kind of um, featured it, at least through the um, eyes of the good folks um, of Exciter, the Manitoba Metal Fest recently made its way through town well no i shouldn't say not through because it's not on tour or anything like that but we put on the manitoba metal fest here and of course with everything going on in the world and all that um we, we basically thought it would be a good idea to stick to bands that don't have to cross the border okay yeah, borders are opening up and all that, but I think when we were starting to put this tour together, it was still kind of iffy about importing bands crossing the border and all that. So we were really only able to stick with Canadian talent. I have no real beef with that because we got the mighty exciter. Oh, yeah, dude. Okay, Cataclysm. Cataclysm, former radioactive metal alum, great band. They played it. Razor were supposed to play it. Unfortunately, the COVID hit their camp, you know, before they made their way out. That was kind of a disappointment. Crypt Cryptopsy as well, radioactive metal alum. They, you know, they played 
as well, including you know, as well as a bunch of really cool Winnipeg bands as well. I was really excited, though, when um, Alberta Thrasher's uh, Striker were added to the bill. Okay, this is great. Well, I shouldn't say Thrasher's. They're kind of the more tried metal you know, style to it and all that. But we've big we love them on the show. We've had them on. We've played every time they put out a new record. We've played them. They dropped a uh, they dropped a uh, new single a little while ago. We hopped all over that. Great band, even better people. We've had them on the show before. This was, of course, a really good opportunity to get caught up with them as well and uh, just just see what's going on within the striker camp and gives us an opportunity to push that awesome new single and what's going on with them. So to get us to, once again, we're back head on into our action interviews. Really, really getting excited for doing these again. We sat down with vocalist Dan Clearly, and he gave us all of the 411 on everything going on in the striker camp to get us there. Let's uh, let's 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 uh, refamiliarize everyone with that awesome a new single from there. This is Strikers' Death Wish. Out in the jungle 
First and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for making it to Winnipeg for this awesome Manitoba Metal Fest and all that. And you guys have been on Radioactive Metal before, yeah. back to the, the glorious days of the zoo. So we're pretty, um, we're pretty excited to have you guys tonight. First of all, you've been on uh, various different underground labels in the past and all that, but you guys seem to be you know your own independent label totally diy yeah to maybe for the people that just don't know the biz that that much what's the difference or is there any between doing it yourself and being on an independent label well it's like just way more work <laughs> i mean being on a label like that's we were signed to uh napalm records for, right for a couple albums and then what we realized is like they they don't do everything for you, which was like sort of eye-opening for us because we were like, oh, we're on a label now, we can just like kick back and they'll take care of everything, and it was like definitely not the case. So we ended up um, just going independent after that, and it's it's just tons of work, but it's it's rewarding, and you know you you get to keep significantly more of your rights and your and the money that comes in and everything like that. So it's like. A little right. easier for us to keep keep the train on the track. Right on, right on. In the event, nuclear blast, prosthetic, one of those labels comes calling. Are you ready to answer, or are you happy? Um, we we've talked to quite a few different labels over the years, and it, it's always been like, <laughs> what the deals are never that sweet. <laughs> so we're always <laughs> like, oh, okay, like, I mean, it, it depends. Like, if if the right sort of opportunity came along i could definitely see the benefit of working with a label like that but right. uh, yeah it, it all, all depends on the on what the contract says right 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 one of the career highlights for the band you know over the last last couple of years for sure has been the connection with the junos you guys have been nominated and you won last year the year before yeah we won in 2020 yeah right 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 now as a metal fan, I don't know how much awards really mean to it. It all, I guess, it all depends on the individual. <laughs> Myself, being three days older than dirt now, as a kid, I really enjoyed the Junos every year. But then, as you develop into your musical tastes, differ or change and all that, and it's just like they don't really mean very much. Even though I have been a judge on a couple occasions with it, with it now. What about you? Were you excited? Like the first time you heard the nomination? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like we, I mean, it's it's always been like a thing. Like anytime we do an interview with someone who's like outside of Canada, it's like, oh, that's like the Canadian Grammys, right? The Grammys. And we're like, we're like, yeah, <laughs> it's it, sort of. Like, yeah, it is. It is. So yeah, it was a it was a big deal to win, and we were really excited about it. It's like a a really nice thing to have on your resume as a musician. Right. Yeah. So right. it's uh, we were super stoked for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the non-metal fans in your life could relate to that the most. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's, it's you like, know, it's <laughs> you tell like any random person on the street you're in a metal band, they're like, okay. Yeah. Like, no, but we wanted you to. We wanted you. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I get it. Like a real band. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. 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 It kind of took that. Um, that's fantastic. And congratulations on, Thank you, on yeah. that. Hopefully, you know. We see much more of that in the future. 
and I'm just, I'm really, this question I definitely had to ask. Okay. Um, you ever seen the um, airplane movies? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like Leslie Nielsen? Like, right, right. No, is, it, is that Leslie Nielsen? No. Yeah, he was in one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a similar vibe. Yeah. yeah, there was that one sequence in the first one. Um, one of the characters was his last name was Stryker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he would say, someone would yell his name, Stryker, Stryker, and the girl beside him would turn around and she'd yeah. pop her one and all that. Yeah. So every time I play one of your songs or I talk about Stryker or whatever, that always pops into both myself and my co-host's head. Striker, striker, <laughs> striker. Yeah, yeah. For the listeners, it's one word. It's not two words. It's not, it's it's not, yeah, it's we're not. There. Does that so ever fun. go through your head? Uh, I mean, yeah, we, we, we like. I'm sure every band has like uh, just all the different jokes and versions of their name. I mean, most of the time, it's people think we're striper. Oh, okay. That'll happen a lot. Like, wow. if we cross the border, we're like, oh, we're striker. And they're, and they're like, I think I've heard of you. And we're like, mm, man, probably not. And they're like, oh, yeah, you guys are like 80s band. And we're like, bro, do we look like. Yeah, how like, old do I look? How old do we fucking look, man? Like, so, yeah, we've had that lots. And then uh, striker with a Y. But that yeah. seems to be like, we, we, we did it with an I for whatever reason back in the day. And then uh, everybody's like, you know, you should really change it to a Y. And we're like, yeah. Yeah, it's too close to Striper then. That's right. We're having enough problems with that as it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean? We're not the yellow and black attack. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say is a career highlight for you so far? Um, I think it's coming up. We're uh, we're supposed to play at Vaughn this summer. Oh, so that's kind of that might be the one. Um, Before that, we we opened for Metallica in like 2011. Which was like really early in our career, mm-hmm. and uh, like in our hometown, it was like a radio contest. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, like, so that was crazy, but that was so early in our career, it's like almost you've forgotten about it by now. So it's like we're excited for the next big thing, and I think that Valken, that's sort of like the, the promise land. Right. Right. Are you having Valken jitters now when you think about it, or just? No, I'm like we've, we've played some bigger festivals in the past, so we're not we're not too like scared i mean we're more just excited right for sure for sure for sure what um okay with with that what else in the next 365 days do you got on um i think besides we're we're doing europe in the summer including Vaken, and then um outside of that we're just probably working on our new record which we're slowly piecing together right right and that's going to be diy diy uh, yeah, we haven't. We we sort of haven't planned that far ahead. We still got to get the uh, material done, and then we'll see. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And finally, I'll let you get on with your evening here. It's a multi-pack of all kinds of crap shit. Yeah. We got any kind of like crisp coffee on one of those. Smash. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's tonight's sponsor. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited for the free beer tonight, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it actually, finally, it was kind of brought to my attention just recently um, by King, King Fowley from Deceased. Okay. He had posted on Facebook a really cool hard rock band from 1978 called Striker. Yeah. And I was like, no. No, like when he started... Yeah, it's so funny because like when we started the band, the uh, 
you, like the ability to find bands on the internet wasn't quite like mm. developed as much as it is now. <laughs> so we, we were like certain we were in the clear with Striker. We were like, we looked right. it up on whatever metal encyclopedia or whatever. We're like, okay, there's no other bands. And it, and it was like, I think the only b- other band at the time was like a, like a hardcore punk band. Oh, okay. And we're like, ah, it's different enough that it yeah. wouldn't matter. So. But then sure enough, yeah, there's a striker with a, I think it's with a Y. From, from yeah. yeah, in Seattle in the late 70s. You never heard from any lawyers or anything? No, no one can afford that. And I don't think, like, I think like, the litigation costs would be like, ridiculous right, it's like right. none of us are making that kind of money <laughs> for sure, for sure. and finally say hi to someone anyone just anybody hi. yeah man who should i say hi to just just give someone a shout, out. a shout out i'll give the, i'll give my buddy dave arnold a shout out he's the uh bass player and traveler okay yeah. band from calgary they were just on tour and uh yeah i hate that bastard so there you go <laughs>
Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling.
for the accompanying songs to our striker interview once again thank you everyone involved in helping set that up hanging out with dan is always a pleasure we jumped into some of the more classic songs from uh from some of their Manitoba Metal Fest mates for that weekend. That was going back oh, many years ago now to the classic Blasphemy Made Flesh album. That was Cryptopsy with Open Face Surgery. And before that, um, probably the song that kind of put Canadian Thrasher's razor on the map outside of canada it was the shotgun justice record where they shot the video for american luck i think it was kind of at that point where they really started to take off and of course that's that's just as as a canadian okay and a canadian band like like razor that song just just makes you go yeah yeah i get it I get it. I get it. You know, and it just, it just not only did it, did it prove true back then. Okay. But you talk to a lot of Canadian bands, you know, just like Dan Beeler from Exciter said last episode as well. Like, unfortunately just hailing from Canada, you know, was those, while it wasn't a total block, you know, because they did sign on with Megaforce and all that. It was kind of a hindrance. And a lot of Canadian artists over the decades have said that. It's kind of tougher breaking out of this country and into the in into the US and all that. So you hear a song like like American Luck and Amer- like Canadian musicians excuse me can all definitely get behind that sentiment and of course all of these there all of this is all available wherever you want to stream or buy your music this is it's 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 all classic stuff it's all classic stuff and i gotta say i had one hell of a time at the manitoba metal fest thank you to our good buddy mr Corey thomas for doing all all the grunt work and of course the rest of the ninja crack ninja cat crew that was really appreciated without all of their hard work a lot you know it it their hard work makes what we do here that much easier and is a real real asset so once again thank you everyone as much as we are enjoying our interview segments back and all that i'm still enjoying our um conversations our chats our discussions because there's always something cool to talk about so i'm just going to kind of turn the reins over to you and just follow your lead what did you have in mind here well let's start with until the wheels fall off because you got a chance to watch that this week Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so just start by well so let's start this who in the 80s right who was your skater because tony hawk tony hawk's been the name for so long but i was always Mm -hmm. a a christian hasoy guy um i never really 
Okay, like it was skating was a spectator sport for me. Like I never I didn't really start skating until you know, oh shit, I was in my mid 40s. Wow. Okay, it was always it was kind of always a spectator sport. Okay. I just I just I enjoyed it. I appreciated it. I just enjoyed the music that went along with it. I wasn't a big reader of Thrasher magazine or anything like that at the moment. Yeah, I did have a couple of, you know, issues lying around, but I didn't, I can't say I really had a guy like in that department. Okay. And all, and, and all that. Yeah. So Christian Hazoi. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, cause I didn't get into skateboarding until like my senior year of high school. I was anti all that stuff. And then this one kid that I knew who was a skater, he finally, like, I think, well, you know what? It it all kind of happened around the same time. He gave me a Ramones CD. Um, Mm -hmm. It was Ramones Mania. And I put that on. And I'm like, whoa. And then, like, I think we were hanging out on his deck and I was trying to skateboard. I'm like, okay, I'm going to skateboard. I'm like, let's go, let's do this. Let's try. Yeah, and and my so my first skateboard was a uh, Tony Hawk ramp mini, Pal Peralta, uh-huh. and um, I would have had Bones Brigade wheels and the Swiss bearings and all that sort of stuff. Like we um we we tricked that sucker out, man. And you know, I remember reading Thrasher magazine and especially like like the real the the real crossover came for me when I started realizing just how deep into skating that, you know, Metallica and Anthrax crossed and vice versa. And guys like Pusshead, the art, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thrasher magazine has an article with Pusshead, but he was never in, you know, uh, circus hip parader, you know, um, whatever the other one was that I can't think of right now. Yeah. Um, Metal edge. That was it. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Never in any of those, but Thrasher is like, no, let's talk to Pusshead. I'm like, okay, these are my people, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got into. And, you know, you had the guys, Christian Asoy, the Steve Caballeros, um, Tony Alves, Tony Hawk, you know. And, you know, in the 80s, these guys were also in the cool movies, right? So um, Police Academy 4 had Tony Hawk and those guys. Um, oh, okay. Thrashing. I didn't know that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then my personal favorite, um, Gleaming the Cube. Right. With, Actually, with I have uh, not seen Christian that. Slater. Uh, dude. Right. I absolutely love it. You know, like depending on, on what copy you pick up where, sometimes it's called a Brother's Justice. It's one of those movies, that one and uh, Pump Up the Volume are two oh, really like fringe movies. But almost mm-hmm. the same fringe, and Christian Slater's in both. I think he nails the role in both. He's a blast, um, and yeah, I think they're they're underrated. But so those were my guys. But so I was a Christian Hasoy guy because Hasoy had long hair, and at the time I had very long hair. Like all the other skaters had these crazy short haircuts of some sort, you know. And um, right. I had really long hair, so it's like, here's this guy who's got hair down to his waist, and he is just sailing through the air. Like, anytime they do, like, the, <laughs> the air competitions. And it's funny to think about how the sports evolved to where, you know, um, 
we we went from just well who can get the highest off the ramp to okay now who can do like 30,000 twists and this and that and you know this kind of crazy stuff mm. but um i was always a big fan of christian asoy cuz he was just you know th- this this god on a skateboard with long hair flying through the air i'm like yeah like he just looks so metal you know and um i still follow him on instagram today oh, and man. I find it very interesting, especially after watching the Tony Hawk documentary, that all those guys are older than us. They are still <laughs> skating. Mm-hmm. They are. Like, that's they something. Yeah. You know, what What football players can still play at the level they played at when they were in their 30s when they're 50? You know, yeah, it's basketball not players. It's not yeah. happening. No. Yeah. And it's not like skateboarding is easy on the joints or the bones oh hell no you know you you just don't have somebody <laughs> else tackling you i mean you know uh-huh. you miss a landing you're you're screwed like it's gonna hurt it's 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 just you and the concrete yeah yeah, yeah. so as uh, you no, watch I... the movie then so so you're you're coming to skateboarding much later see like and i I loved it because um, I, I got it in the 90s and it is, you know, they talk in the documentary about it kind of dies off the 90s, but I was still following it. And then um, when the Vans Warped Tours started coming around, well, they were bringing skateboarders and BMXers with them. So I'd go watch right. that. Like, that was a blast for me. And I remember the year Steve Caballero was on it. And I would just stand there and just watch him. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. this is just great. Like, it was just great to watch. So, like, where's... You know, you start skating at 45, but where's your exposure to the sport? Um, it just started as being a part of the... Uh, okay, back then or or now? Well, when did you get into it, you know? Because something, uh, something had to get you into it enough to make you want to pick up a board ever. I okay, you know? like like I said, it, it was like from the, from the mid '80s, just being part of the hardcore scene and all that, and being around like other like skaters, being friends with skaters and all that, and I would just come and hang out and watch them skate and you know have a couple of drinks while we're doing it and all that. It just I was I hung with skaters. It just I just never did it. But I was a big fan of the music, Suicidal Tendency, Joey Foster's Army, Battalion of Saints, bands like that. So I was part of the culture. I just never really did it. And then I just, I don't know. Just once I hit, like like I said, my mid-40s and all that, I just, you know what? Going to give it a shot. Going to give it a shot. Let's just, let's just try it. And I, I still suck at it. Okay, I'm still... I'm not when I'm when I go to the park. I'm not doing any tricks. I'm not, you know, doing anything really. I'm basically going in a forward direction, trying not to get myself killed and all that. But it's the idea is just doing it. You you don't have to be talented. Exactly. And all that. You just you just gotta just 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 do it. And you can still just do it for the ride. You know, right? Like, you don't and have to be great. And- to just, yeah. you know, go up a little bit of, of an incline, kick, turn, and come right back down. You know, like, yeah. and that's fun. Like, that's a lot of, like, I could do that all day, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Like, I, I've i been, like, because I was telling you, like, I'm realizing, especially after watching Until the Wheels Fall Off, that um, I, I need to give up my skateboarding dreams. 
to a point because have you seen the boards called coffin cruisers? Mm. They're basically no, coffin shaped sure. long boards, long skateboards. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yes. And I've okay. been seeing those in the, in the different graphics. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I need, maybe, maybe it's time for me to get like a long board and just cruise the neighborhood, you know, like, I don't need to do any fancy tricks. I don't need to kick turn. Like, just get something I can just cruise on, you know? I think so. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Because, you know, like like my, my current deck, I just don't have... I don't have stability. I'm like, maybe I just need the big, long deck and just just go for a ride, you know? So, and that's... Yeah. That, that's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. No, so, no. For sure. As you watched until the wheels fall off. And um, everybody, if you haven't seen it, pause here because we're going to definitely give spoilers, right? There's definitely mm-hmm. spoilers, but it's been out for a month. So you've you've had, had, a, had a good shot to watch it. If it's not available in your area, then definitely pause here. Skip this episode. Bookmark us. Come back. But what was your big takeaway from the movie? Huh. Exactly. Okay. Uh, like I, I kind of always knew. Okay. The very there's a handful of skaters that actually can make a living from doing it. Well, just like musicians okay. or surfers or yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I, I, I never really gave exactly a thought to an actual number of what Tony Hawk was making. No, I never and thought that, about that either. There, there were there were times where, and I'm not I'm not going to go into any specific numbers, but he was throwing out like video game royalties. Oh, yeah, that's one of my. I'm sorry, how much? Holy shit, how <laughs> yeah. much? Yeah I, yeah, I was expecting. I was expecting. Yeah, he made a couple million off off of this, but. Wow, that much? At first it was four million and then they sent him another thing for twenty million. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Like, okay, I knew Okay that it was lucrative. I knew like the Tony Hawk video games were huge. I didn't think they were that big because I'm just not a video game guy. Oh, me neither. And that's just it. I'm like, oh, okay, apparently there's a lot more to this video game industry than I realize. <laughs> Then I then I give it yeah like yeah. I I I played all the Mario games with my with my brood oh yeah and I can sling a pretty mean Galaga but but <laughs> and I'm dating myself here but that's about it I'm just not a gamer yeah me neither and, and all that I never really gave it much and being a pro wrestling fan as well there's all these pro wrestling games that my wrestling buddies and all that they love talking about them and they i'm like i've never played one i have no idea (laughs) you know i've never played any of these tony hawk games i have no idea but man that was really eye-opening yeah no yeah Yeah. that was a big one for me um my takeaway so you uh, you you saw the part where he made, and I can't remember the, the, the trick. Was it like a 900 or something or a 920 he did uh, at the X Games mm-hmm. when he was mm-hmm. trying to pull it off? Um, because I love the way the documentary starts with him constantly missing a trick, you know? Right. And then that, that really was- sets the tone, though, for 
the story that they tell because he's still going as hard as he did as a kid at 50 something. You know, he, mm-hmm. he has the exact mm-hmm. same obsession. And I think it was, was it Caballero? It was um, the one guy that called out. He's like, yeah, the rest of us will like, you know, arms out, drop the board and we'll, we'll go. He's like, not Tony, you know? <laughs> and um, I think it was, it was Stacy Peralta. That's like, somebody needs to pull him aside and tell him he's going to hurt himself, you know? And it, it was when they showed the, um, oh, was it Fu Manchu? No, that's not what they called it. Animal Chin. Was that the, the, the video they were recreating? It, it, mm. um, Fu Manchu is a band from the mm-hmm. 80s, right? Okay, so I think it was the Animal Chin video or something. What, there, whatever skate video was a big deal, they um, recreated it. And, you know, they, they had footage of Tony essentially like landing, knocking himself cold and just getting hurt. And that's when everyone's like, oh my goodness, he's like a frail old man. And, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you can't do this anymore. And, you know, and people are reacting differently. And I watched that and I said, okay. I said, this is going to be how he goes. Um, And for me, like, and this is my big takeaway from the documentary. It was really important for me to be able to see this documentary because he's going to die doing a trick. Like, that's what's going to happen. Like, like, like that's, if he doesn't, It'll be fantastic if somehow, you know, he can beat himself essentially and be like, nope, I'm, I'm okay with this and, you know, conquer his own inner self demon. Um, but mm-hmm. I am like just preparing myself that he's going to die attempting some trick and right. everyone's going to trash him for it. And that's exactly how he wants to go. You know, like, like oh, he, he's, he couldn't have been happier, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, like that's, that's that's just him like like i i think we all need to be be prepared that he's going to do something <laughs> and uh that's going to be the it you know that's just just it's going to yeah. be the end just just a world with okay like when you think about various people over the years okay someday Ozzy Osbourne is going to leave us oh god yeah okay george lucas is going to leave us uh, okay when you make a list of all those people that it's like life without these people is going to be weird. Yeah. Okay. Tony Hawk is going to be added to that list. Oh, absolutely. Because absolutely. here's a guy, okay, that he transcends the sport. Yeah. Uh, okay. You say to Joe and Jane Average, throw out, you know, one of his buddies. Hosoi, you know, Peralta. Yeah, I can, I can say Hosoi, Peralta, Steve Caballero. They're going to be like, who? But if you say who? Tony Hawk, oh, Tony, Tony oh, Hawk. Oh, the skateboarder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. And I, uh, he's the only one. <laughs> okay, like when you think of great quarterbacks over the years. Yeah, everyone can name a number of great quarterbacks. Hockey players, baseball players other football in Europe and all that. Okay. Yeah. They can name, you know, dozens. You can really, Joe and Jane average can really only name one, one, um, one, one skateboarder. Yeah. And that's Tony Hawk. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's something that I, I didn't take away from this film. Like, it's something that I always knew, but it definitely, it really pounded that home. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. You know, it really did. Now, that was, when you when you were talking about the beginning of the film, okay, when they showed him wiped out, okay, and then they did the close-up of the skateboard, the, the board was turned over, and the wheel kept spinning. Yeah. Powerful filmmaking. Oh yeah, dude! Right there, like they. This is what they're trying to say, and it it worked really well. I got chills just just from that because for the short amount of time I have been skating, every time I've wiped out, I've heard that sound. Oh yeah, yeah, of the wheel turning. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it was definitely something that i could relate to and this was a fantastic film yeah one of my worst wipeouts we were skating this little business park area because they had the way the parking lot was structured you had some nice little hills and things you could kind of you know zip around and i'm coming down one and i just couldn't make a turn and i went head on into the corner of a brick wall Oh, yeah. Like, like, so, and I kind of turned a little bit. It tore up my, my left arm from like shoulder to, to like almost like halfway down in, into my wrist, you know, just, just huge, just scrapes and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I think I hit my head, but thankfully there didn't seem to be any like marks there, but I'm just like laying on the ground board turned over wheel spinning everybody's coming over like holy shit are you okay you know <laughs> it's like yep yeah. and this is like 89 90 we didn't skate with pads <laughs> you know oh, like, okay like i don't know what kind of what kind of gear you use but we didn't have helmets or pads we were always just out skating you know right right yeah i don't know what it is but for some reason this the skate culture like yeah, if you wear a helmet, you're a wuss, or you're this, or you're... And it's like, I never bought into all that, because I played sports. Every time I got up to bat, I made sure I had a helmet on. When I played hockey, I had the equipment on, and all that. When I'm skating, I have a helmet on, and I have knee pads on, and I have a pair of gloves on. So I, do, so I, don't, I don't tear up my hands, and all that. And I have had... You know, more veteran skaters look at me sideways at the park and all that. But the guys that I am hanging with, you know, when they realize, oh, you're friends with him. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> you're cool then. Okay, but the, the the point is, why would you... I'm just taking precautions here. I got yeah. into it when I was in my mid-40s, man. Like, I, I would be crazy not to. Oh, absolutely, dude. And I mean, like when when my nephew wanted to skate, I went out and bought him all all the safety accessories, and I bought him a board. You know, mm. like I bought him his first deck. I bought him the safety ex accessories. We went in the driveway. I taught him a couple basic things. You know, and and that was that. Like there there was no question for him. Like oh, you can do this without. But I mean, think about when we were growing up in the seventies. You didn't wear bike helmets. You just got on your oh, bicycle. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know the idea, 
I, I, I never called any kid out for it, okay? But there was no way that I would ever have put on a helmet to ride a bike. And I wouldn't oh. do that today. No. But there is a big difference between a bike and a skateboard, though. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, to me, I don't know. Like, it... I, I was probably BMX falling city. more, but I mean, so, but I, see, I, I grew up in the country, so we were building our own ramps and going off them. And so occasionally I would put on like a motorcycle crash helmet because, you know, we had motorcycles and if you're riding a motorcycle, you wear your crash helmet, you know, evil Knievel, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And so I would do that if I was doing crazy stuff, but I just, uh, and I, part of it might've just been money. We just didn't have the money for the pads and things. Cause that shit was expensive then at that yeah, point. Uh-huh. I, like, as I remember yeah. looking at a set of pads for my nephew and I'm like, okay, are these any good? This doesn't seem very expensive at all. Cause I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I remember the rector pads costing as much, if not more than the board I just bought, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh yeah, I can't yeah. chill this out twice. And then, you know, when I bought it for my nephew, I'm like, wow, that's all this costs? I'm like, I think these are good, right? I'm like looking everything up, making sure everything's okay, and, you know? I had a minor coronary. Like, when I decided, you know what? And it was it was a Father's Day present for myself. Myself and my wife and daughter, we went out. We found my board. I found the one I wanted. It was a death wish, okay? Yeah. And old Betsy, okay? And, of course, my daughter is like, you're getting a helmet, right? Yes, I'm getting a helmet. You're getting this. You're getting this, right? Promise me, every time you get on that thing, you'll you'll have a helmet on. And it's like, who's the parent here? You know, but by that point, everyone's adults and all that. You you know, there's no arguing with her. And I'm not about to. She's right. (laughs) You know? You know? And I want to go back to what we were saying about I never would have put on a helmet riding a bike if i was a bmxer and doing the bmx thing in the skate parks then yes oh absolutely and i'm going to to recommend this to everyone all the all of our young young listeners that are maybe deciding you know what i'm getting my first bmx you know in a couple months and all that please please you Put, know what throw, I, I think throw the helmet on. it was for me? Because, like, when you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, like, if I was doing BMX, I, I would absolutely put a helmet on. But I I could bail from a skateboard way easier. And mm-hmm. I, also when I was a kid, like, we we learned how to fall. Like, I, I don't know if, if they did that, like, in like when you would have, like, gymnastics units or anything in school or if you had gymnastics units, we did. But, like... I feel like we spent a lot of time learning the right way to fall. So I felt pretty good about if I have to bail, I know how to bail and not get hurt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but like on a, on a bike, that. I'm like, yeah, no, there's no way I'm getting off this bike without crashing. <laughs> like I need a helmet. And get a helmet, okay, and get some stickers, dress it up make it look oh, cool absolutely. like my 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 helmets look awesome i got them covered in awesome stickers skate punk metal stickers fucking rights man i look awesome oh yeah absolutely you got a sticker <laughs> all right yeah so until the wheels fall off hell of a documentary 100 on the recommended list here by radioactive metal 
Oh, definitely, yeah. But now let's follow it up with what we started talking about last week with um, our top guitar players. Oh, yes, yes. As our, you know, as our listeners will recall, we kind of went off the rails. We went into extra innings because it kind of got our dander up when we were talking about the Ted Nugent, Joan Jett beef that was going on over um, Guitar World's top 100 greatest guitarists or whatever. And Joan Jett made that list. Okay, she was higher up than some guys that some musicians that the Nuge, Mr. Nugent, felt, you know, should have been like rated higher than her. And that caused a huge controversy on the interwebs. And quite frankly, that pissed me off because the Nuge was just being the Nuge and he says a lot of dumbass things and all that. And if you want to know what we're talking about, please go into the radioactivemetal.org archives. Go listen to last last week's episode. Get the 411 on what we were talking about. Well, we kind of have to put our the money put our money where our mouths are. Because I know that compiling a list of like the greatest guitarists must be a massive undertaking like like huge okay if you're putting some thought into it okay like if you're just ringing off your 100 favorite musicians just because you like this song or that song or this or that well you're not really putting any thought into it and you're not really trying and you're boring okay I thought maybe this time around, okay, because we were so opinionated and we kind of got up on our soapbox and all that, well, let's show everyone what we got. Let's uh, maybe come up with our list of what we feel is the top 10 greatest guitarists, I guess, of all time. And you, obviously, being the musician of our little duo here, you are all over that. Let's do this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So I put the old snowy gray matter to work, and I came up with um, a top ten list. And I know it's going to differ from yours, and that's good, because I'm going to have different criteria. For myself, it's not just technique it's not just all the fancy things that you can do on the fretboard am i using that expression properly yeah yeah it's, that's it's, actually it, it, like, like if you would have just kept going nobody would even noticed <laughs> well, it was really good notice okay it's not all the fanciness that you can do and all the wicked techniques and all the wicked riffs and licks that you you can come up with sometimes i have a different idea of what makes not only a great guitarist, but a great artist, a great musician. And I think that's going to reflect in this list. So you and I, we sat down. We haven't shared anything. I don't know what's coming out of your head. You don't know what's 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 going to be coming out of mine right away. But I figured we would just go in order from 10 to 1, our top 10 of the greatest guitars the axe man of all time 
Number 10, dude, what you got? Well, so I don't, I, I can't, I honestly can't start with number 10. Um, my okay. list is going to have to go in a different order because my, my list kind of right. needs to go chronological because I've been thinking about okay. my talk track for this. So, okay. um, my number one, like, and, and this is, you know, I, I've, no one's going to be shocked here because I, uh, he was also in my, my metal fix where I bought a Chuck Berry record, but it's Chuck Berry. Um, okay. and it's Chuck Berry because you've got, uh, Everybody says Elvis is the king of rock and roll and all this sort of stuff. And I I can remember at 14 arguing with my dad. I'm like, Elvis isn't the king, dude. Chuck Berry's way better. You know? And Elvis definitely had the songs. He had the moves. He captured the nation. But Chuck Berry is the reason we have the rock and roll guitarist. Chuck Berry's the mm-hmm. prototype. He is the first. He is the godfather. Everybody else on this list is going to owe something to Chuck Berry. Something, yes. All of them, Including right? Elvis. Yeah, ex- ex- except for this one other guy on my list, because he's just as in- individual as Chuck was, right? Um, All right. But, like, Chuck, and, and one of the reasons that Chuck was so influential is not only was he a great guitar player, Right, he was a fantastic player. He wrote great songs, right? And that's that's something you're going to see about everybody I talk about on this list. Is they're not just players, right? They're also great songwriters, you know. And and that's where they really stand the test of time. So Chuck, he looks awesome, right? Like he was what six two, I think, very fit. Okay. And yeah. he he was you know he kind of invented the rock and roll guitar show. He he started the the duck walk, and right. you know standing with, with his feet spread apart and doing the windmills. Who picked that up later? Pete Townsend, right? Pete Townsend. And yeah. so you know when you start with Chuck and you watch everything Chuck did, and then you start seeing all these other guitar players that people probably know better. You go, oh, that they're all just doing Chuck. And, and that's really it, right? Like, I mean, the first Rolling Stones record is Chuck Berry songs. You know, I mean, there's other stuff, but they were doing a lot of covers. And, you know, I don't know if we would have the Rolling Stones without Chuck Berry, you know? And um, they'll be the first to admit it. Oh, absolutely. Keith Richards will absolutely admit that, you know? And mm. it took them a few records to really find themselves but they never lost those rock and roll roots, you know. And when they did Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll in the 80s for Chuck's 60th birthday, um, you know, Keith Richards was the musical director and put that together. And and it was so funny because he was fighting with Chuck over stuff. And I, I, I'll remember where he's like, well, you know, you sing this um, and then I'll play it. And that's like Keith talking to Chuck. Chuck's like, or I could just sing it and play it. And he's like, oh, well, I didn't know if you could handle this. He's like, I've been handling it for the last 30 years, <laughs> you know? Have we met? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Like, Chuck Chuck just owns the room. Like, he, he's the original. Like, that's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. For sure. So, anyway, who's on your list, man? I'm going to start my list off not kind of as a follow-up with what we talked about last week, and it's it's not due to any sort of technique or anything. This is just, I'm going on just 
being a trailblazer, being an influence, inspiring an entire generation of young ladies to pick up a guitar and say, I want to be just like them. And when you think about rock musicians that had that kind of pull, that kind of influence, you're talking Joan Jett and Lita Ford from The Runaways. I, dude, I couldn't agree more. I oh, agree like more. for sure, for sure. Like people, okay, if if you had to compare them, who has the more quote-unquote talent? I'm sure Lita Ford has done more of the fancy techniques and Absolutely, all, and sure. Joan would tell you that. And but, she, they would, but they had that, they've got a one-two punch. Okay, today, yeah, 2022, fortunately, both ladies are still with us. Never mind the runaway stuff. Never mind all of the Blackhearts and all the Lita Ford solo stuff and all that. Let's sit these two down in a room with a rhythm guitar and a lead guitar what do you want to come up with today? Imagine what that record would sound like. Oh, I would oh, love it if they could. Brilliant. Brilliant. You know? Yes. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, uh, let's it your your pick honestly goes back to what I was talking about with Chuck is that we're talking about both of them because they're songwriters, right? It's not mm-hmm. just like, "Oh, yeah, you're an amazing player." Um you can write a memorable song, you know, and you're mm-hmm. competent enough to play it, you know, and <laughs> think think about their stage presence, right? And mm-hmm. you know what they were pulling from, all that sort of stuff, because they were they're pulling from a lot of the glam and the Bowie stuff, right? But right. Bowie Bowie's pulling from Chuck, like like you know like. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like Chuck was always circling around the UK, man. Like he was a big influence on everybody. So it all comes back to Chuck. Yeah, dude, that's an excellent pick. But both of those ladies. Yeah. Yeah. What you got? Give me something else. All right. So next we're going to kind of go a little chronological here. Uh, Bo Diddley. Ah. Right. Okay. And these two are important. Like Chuck and Bo set up my third pick. Um, because my 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 third pick really really took what these two did and like times ten right. But so you've got Chuck Berry that invents rock and roll guitar playing, right? Like he he is the showman, he's the showboater, he does the fancy stuff, he can write songs, he can sing, like he is the full package, you know. Then you've got Bo Diddley. And Bo um, was coming from a different, um, uh, like a different angle. Like th- there were so many guitar players and he thought, he's like, man, we all sound the same. Cause he was very much on the blues circuit, right? Like Bo Diddley's much more on the blues. And he's like, we all sound the same. You know, how do I differentiate myself? So Bo started doing the crazy guitars, right? So he's famous for the rectangle shaped guitar. You know, mm-hmm. and some of the other wild shapes. He is famous for um, the sound effects. Like he was doing tremolos and fuzzes and things when that was, you know, probably the only effect they had. You know, like, like he, he did stuff to his guitar. It was like, whoa, nobody was doing that yet. You know, because he was trying to make sure that when somebody heard him, they knew it was him. 
you know. And I mean, right up till he died, he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, one of his guitars, and I don't know where it is now, but I was reading a write up on it where, and I think it was a Gretsch, um, Billy Bo Jupiter Thunderbird. And that was a collaboration between um, Bo Diddley and Billy Gibbons. But they took one of those prototypes, hollowed it out, mounted a drum machine inside, some onboard effects. Like, this this guy, and, and this is something I want to point out about, you know, him, Chuck, and then the person that's going to be third, is they never quit pushing the envelope. You know, mm-hmm. like, like Bo, right up until he passed, he's always like, nope, what what can I do new? What's different? Like, they never sat back and were resting on their laurels or like, oh, we don't need to do anything new. No, nah, you're never going to get anything better than a 56, blah, blah, blah. And I bring that up because guitar culture, you have all these people that don't like new things. And, you know, they'll, they'll always make a callback to other guitar players. It's like... Um, that's a really funny statement because those guys were completely cutting edge and using everything that was new. They didn't want to use the old stuff. Like, um, oh, okay. When they did the new Sabbath record, this is a great example of it. When they did the new Sabbath record, Tony Iommi, um, who, who produced that? Was that Rick Rubin? I think, uh, well, I, I think it was Ruben, but whoever produced it was like riding Tony. He's like, no, he's like, what amps did you use on this one? And Tony's telling him, he's like, no, he's like, it's not going to sound the same. And Rick's like, no, 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 whatever. I'm going to go find these. So, so like the producer goes out and finds all the original amps that they used and they get in the studio and they sound like shit. And Tony's okay. like, I was trying to tell you none of my amps were stuck. <laughs> like, He's like, you can't just go buy an old stock amp of this. They were modified. I don't know what they did. I just took it to this guy and said, do this. You know, and that's the thing is like, these guys would get this stuff and be like, nah, this doesn't sound right. So they find somebody to modify it. And they'd be like, oh yeah, this is the sound. So, you know, all these records that we hear were like, oh, I need this amp because this guy played it. I'm like, yeah, you're not, like, you can buy that amp it's not going to sound like him because he was fucking with everything all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, oh yeah. So I, I forgot. I want to call it my signature tracks. All right. So <laughs> Chuck Berry, um, signature guitar track. It's going to sound cliche, but trust me, l- l- go, go listen to this one. It has everything, but Johnny be good, right? Like that is the Chuck Berry song. And that kind of frames up everything that makes Chuck Berry, Chuck Berry. For Bo Diddley, um, I went a different direction. Um, I think it was somewhere in the 60s, Bo and Chuck did an album together called Two Great Guitars. And, you know, each one of them kind of has like a solo instrumental track. And then there's a couple tracks where they're both playing on it. And it's it's just a blast because I think what happened is they just happened to end up in the studio together at the same time. Somebody happened to hit record as they're just, you know, messing around. And it's just great. But Bo Diddley has this amazing cover of When the Saints Go Marching In. Um, and like you like you listen to that song, that's Bo Diddley. That's the sound. 
that's the bounce, that's the swing. It's just like, yeah, that's the song. All right. So who, who's your next one? Uh, my next one here. Oh, um, once again, I'm kind of thinking in terms of um, creating your own style, kind of creating your your own identity. Okay. Have you heard the expression athletic rock? No. No. Okay. You probably wouldn't because it's not like it is this big sub sub genre of music because it really when you say athletic rock you're talking about one band okay, <laughs> okay. and and that's the mighty raven okay because they they coined the phrase athletic rock and it was just that that came from the the way that guitarist mark gallagher and to another extent the way you know rob wacko hunter who was the drummer of Raven during their heyday, and of course his brother John on bass and vocals and all that. The combined, they created this athletic rock sound that really is a hundred percent Raven, and there are no other athletic rock musicians, or at least musicians that people equate that expression with. So this is this is. Uh, total 100% Gallagher for sure for for sure for sure so that that, that alone makes me think I got to put I got to put Mark Gallagher on the list rock okay. on and it, it 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 doesn't hurt that he's a radioactive metal alum as well and for a signature song like the title track to their seminal record all for one great stuff great stuff it's one of the classic records and it really epitomizes everything that raven was all about for sure for sure what you got all right hendrix mm -hmm. and i bring him up third <laughs> right and okay i almost didn't put him on the list and then i really started thinking because it's so cliche to put Jimi hendrix on a list right like he's on every list and then i really started thinking about it and i'm like well there's a reason because it comes to back to what I said about Chuck and Bo, that he wrote great songs. Like, not only was he an insane showman and fingerboard gymnastics left and right, he was an amazing songwriter. He wrote songs that we still want to hear today, and that's what stood the test of time, right? Now... So many times people say, like, well, Jimmy only needed a couple pedals. And, you know, why do you need all these things? Because he had a couple of pedals and a crank Marshall amp. And you just got to laugh at that because Hendrix was pioneering pedals. Like, he took a guy on tour with him to, like, modify and build effects for him as they're touring. Like, a guy was there to, like you know, like work on his effects all the time because he was always trying to get a new sound, right? So that's the Bo Diddley side. But then the showman side comes directly from Chuck Berry. Like, you know, Hendrix has his cover of Johnny Be Good. And he, you just, you get that psychedelic Chuck Berry vibe. Like he was like the next Chuck, you know, and, and he took what Chuck was doing to a whole nother level, you know? Because... Hendrix, like, I don't know if you've ever, like, seen the videos or anything like that, but he had these massive hands, 
right? And you'd see these massive hands and the way he could wrap around the, the, the fingerboard. And I'd be reading Tab and trying to figure this stuff out and trying to play some of the songs. Dude, I can't play some of the things that he played because my hands just, just can't do it. Like, they're not that big, you know? But he could wrap a thumb around the fingerboard, still get his fingers around, like... And I'm like, there's no way this is working. And then I'd watch a film like, oh, son of a bitch, you know? So, yeah, and that's why Hendrix is on here because... He's he's an amazing guitarist technically, right? Like like he mm-hmm. he honestly kind of kicked off the shredder movement. I mean, we had, you know, we had people like um, oh fuck, dude, Deep Purple, um, Richie Rich Blackmore. Blackmore. Thank you, thank you, Richie Blackmore. You know, that they were like kind of kind of like the, the the beginning shredders, but like Jimi Hendrix took it, but everybody knows who Hendrix is. You know, mm-hmm. he he's a household name. Like, you know, people who didn't play guitar know who Hendrix is. You know, people who didn't play guitar know who Chuck Berry is. People who don't play guitar know who Bo Diddley is. People who don't play guitar don't know who Yngwie Malmsteen is. That's true. That's true, yes. You know, and, and that's, that's the thing. And that's why, like, Yngwie is not on my list. You know, spoiler. But... All right, who's your next one? Okay, well, my next one is okay, um, and it's not in order because I'm just I'm just going to agree with you somewhere on my list, number five. I had Jimmy as well. Rock on. And I'm 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 you know you you said it all. Like there's there's not much more that I can add except the song "Foxy Lady" oh, yeah. has a personal has that's a personal meaning to us to myself and mrs snowy that's quote unquote one of our songs oh that's nice it is it is i'll be at work okay and that song comes on the radio everything that i'm doing stops and i go to my phone i fire up the text and i just type in foxy lady and press send, and Mrs. Snowy mean knows, and she knows that that means that song is on the air right now, and that I'm thinking about her. Oh, that's so awesome, that's, man. That's yeah, yeah. It's gonna that. So that's kind of my contribution to the wonderful world of Jimi Hendrix, and it just he's once again he's one of the innovators. He's one of the originals. He's a a, a huge influence. You know, not just on guitarists, but just music fans as well. And he's just given us, he, he gave us so much in such a short amount of time. Yes, that's the key. Like, that's, yeah, that's super short, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because I often so. think, like, what would he do today with today's technology? Oh, good question. Good question. Yeah, because he would be. He would still be old school. So I don't think so. But well, okay, he would he would be old school, but I think he would be open enough, open minded enough to kind of, um, uh, you know, kind of jump on to today's technologies. Well, what can I do with this? You know, and the probably the Hendrix from the early seventies and the Hendrix in. 2020 shall we say 
would probably be very different, but I think it would be fantastic regardless. I, it's it's too bad we lost him. Yeah, like I I honestly think that he would still be like innovating you know um i i still think he'd be pushing the envelopes he'd be trying new technology out like i i feel like he'd be the guy people be like hey what's this you know like mm-hmm. les paul never quit innovating you know uh, um and and she's you know les paul's the reason we have the recording technology we have dude like just the crazy stuff these guys did yeah, um, and and why we have the Les Paul guitar? That's well, exactly. Weird, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and the funny part is, <laughs> the Les Paul guitar was more um, Gibson trying to get a name for their guitars. It wasn't that Les Paul invented it, um, because Leo Fender also approached him. You know, so it could have been the Fender Paul instead of instead uh, of the um, the Gibson Les Paul. Yeah. Which okay. I, uh, that would have been weird, but. <laughs> um yeah so oh, um, oh, okay you're the yeah. only one that that would keep up at night oh yeah <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah i bet you he's thinking about girls yeah. oh what happens if this guitar deal happens hey, that's dude, what you're that's thinking exactly it that 100 <laughs> all the time because like this is my life man you know i'm such a nerd for this stuff it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Right, right on. So my my signature Hendrix song um, was "Fire." Ah. Okay, I get that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the thing is, there's so many great ones to choose from, but I was just like that that one. Like I think that showcases mm-hmm. all of it. You know. All right. Sure. So, so next up, Dave Mustaine. Okay. Right, and the thing is, like, it, it was it was hard for this list. It's hard to kind of keep it to ten. I feel like we could do easily a fifty oh, if if we ran probably. through it all, you know. But Mustaine's on here because he, well, honestly, he he's a bit of a big deal, right? Like, yeah, like re- regardless of how you feel about him, um, and you know, let, like, let's deal with this controversial thing, but kill them all. Is you know the first Megadeth record? Um, it was <laughs> okay. I know he was definitely had his contributions yeah. to it for sure, for sure. But to just say it was all him? Oh uh, no, it's it's not. No, I just no. I just like riling people up because you know oh, somebody oh. just like flipped the bird at us right now. Right now, you know, just, like assholes. No. But the, the thing is, like. You you hear a definite shift in composition from Kill 'Em All to um, Ride the Lightning for Metallica, right? <laughs> but oh, when yeah. you go from Kill 'Em All to um, Killing Is My Business, you don't hear the same shift. It it it's it's much more of like oh this is an evolution of of that style of writing like but. There's a there's a clear shift in from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning. There's a definite maturity in it, and then they really kind of like yeah, the songwriting technique is definitely different. Yeah, and they really refine that by puppets. But then you know you get to from Kill 'Em All to 
Um, killing is my business. Like that's just kind of the evolution for Dave. You know, he just kept kind of running. And then where you see Dave's shift is killing is my business, but still not a, as big of a shift as you see from kill them all to lightning, you know? Mm-hmm. But so, but Dave, it, Dave's an insanely consistent guitarist, right? Like he, he's, <laughs> He's he's more the old curmudgeon than like you know <laughs> anybody out there. Like he he doesn't drop tune. He sticks with standard tuning. You know he sticks with his um, high high gain high output amps and guitars. And you know it's just like nope. Here's the sound. This is what we're doing. Um, get ready. Here we go. You know, and he's just a hundred miles an hour all the time. You know. And just the brutal riffs, all that sort of stuff. And when you think about the first three guitars that, you know, that I talked about on this list, on my list, is that it was the influence, right? Because, you know, Chuck gave us the Rolling Stones. He gave us the Beatles. You know, Bo Diddley, you get a, get all those sounds. And those guys both go into Hendrix. Well, now Hendrix, he starts to give us other guitar players. And Mustaine's one of them. Mustaine has no swing. Right, that Dave Mustaine cannot swing. There's there's no groove there. He's he's the whitest guitarist you're ever gonna find. He really is. Right, he really is. There there is absolutely no swing. But man, you want to talk about a thrash machine, and that's Dave Mustaine. You know, and, oh, and definitely, and no nobody's gonna beat Mustaine at it. You know. When everybody else is trying to figure things out and, oh, we don't know what's going on with this band or, oh, we don't know what's going on with this band. Oh, we're going to take seven years. Mustaine's like, nope, we're doing a record every two years. It might be a different lineup every two years, but they're doing a new record every two years. You know? Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I and Mr. Mustaine is on my list here as well, um, He, as great as he is, in terms of technique, style, songwriting, and everything on the axe, the guy's got his shit going on. He's not afraid, okay, to hang out with the Marty Friedmans and the Chris Brodericks as well, who might, could be an argument, they're an even better musician than him. And he's not afraid to share that spotlight with those guys because he's confident in his own ability. Well, and because he can also keep up. Because oh for sure I I've only known Dave like like really known Dave as a rhythm guitarist in Megadeth right and th- that is just kind of what what I thought you know I didn't really you know nerd out and listen like oh who's playing the solo what's that just like Dave's the rhythm player he's singing vocals he always brings in a lead so he has a Chris Poland he has a Chris Broderick he has a Marty Friedman. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. almost like Ozzy. So I started, I'm like, okay, Dave brings in these amazing guitar players, you know, to, to kind of pump them up. And then um, Caddick and I, John Caddick from Iron City Rocks, we went to, um, oh, it was our first, oh my gosh, what were those shows called? The Rockstar, no, not Rockstar, Monster. Was it Mo- the Mayhem Festival? Is that what I'm talking about? I think what year? About. I... 20 something 2010 2011 i think it's 2011 but oh, okay the first time i ever got to see megadeth i was in the photo pit 
And so, you know, I am no more than like five or 10 feet from him taking pictures. And that's when I realized that, oh, he doesn't have these amazing guitar players to make sure Megadeth looks better. He has these amazing guitar players because he needs somebody that can keep up with him. Like mm-hmm. he's no slouch. And that's the thing is like, I think it's, it's really easy to write Dave off and just say like, Oh, he's the guitar player. He has these amazing guitar, the, these amazing soloists. And that's the thing is, you know, to your point, Dave's never had a problem of just letting them take the spotlight. Like, sure. Chris Poland, let, let him, let everybody think he's, he's the deal. Chris Broderick, whoever like, Oh, you're the lead guitarist at Megadeth. Wow. But, um, You've got to be a bit of a badass to keep up with Dave, because Dave is a badass. He is, yeah. Yeah, I did. I never realized. All right, yeah. now a signature Megadeth too. Oh, oh, for me, and and this is this is no way nobody's going to think about this. Uh, Ninety nine ways to die. <laughs> okay. Oh, fair enough. And the reason is because I think it is like it sums up Dave in a song. Because um, it just starts out just so intense that da 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 da, just the rhythms is just like holy shit, what's happening? Like, like it's just like punch you in the face and go, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, for sure, that, for sure. That's, that's the song. One of the hidden, yeah, yeah. For me, Hangar Eighteen oh, is just one one of my just favorite Megadeth songs. Such a great it song. Would be in my, oh, for sure, and yeah. it's probably in my top ten just favorite songs just like ever from anyone yeah yeah dave mustaine great choice got him on the list myself all right now this next set here this is where it gets tough um because there were some duos that i can't separate because they're both amazing at what they do and so Mm -hmm. this is my first pair here uh kirk hammond and james hetfield Fair enough. Yeah, I get that. You know, um, and because Kirk is arguably one of the greatest lead guitar players in metal ever, you know, and Mm -hmm. I would call James Hetfield the greatest rhythm guitarist in metal. He's in he's in the conversation. Both those guys. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I guess I can't call him the greatest because I have another person on here, too. But um, but damn, he's he's up there. You know, like it's, he, he's another guy that, that's going to be tough to beat. Right. And so for James, when I'm thinking signature song, like what really shows off James, um, is disposable heroes. Ah, you just, I remember trying to play that as a kid, just be like, fuck, how's he doing this? You know? And then when they re-released the the box sets for that, Nothing made me happier than to listen to their old demos and listen to them struggling the same way I did. I'm like, oh, thank God. I'm like, you know, I mean, now, mind you, I've never mastered it, but at least they could even had trouble with it and they wrote it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the signature well, sure. Kirk Hammett, Battery. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair ball. That's fair ball. Uh, well, definitely one of my favorite songs as well. Okay, here, a little confession time. You yeah. kind of beat me to the punch. In my list, I've got Mr. Kurt Hammett as number one. Rock on! Okay, because he's... 
okay, like he he does everything. Yes. Like he he like when it comes to the guitar, like he's got the technique. He's got everything. Okay, and it's just it's one complete package. And he's also our favorite Beatle. Yes. Like that 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 really helped as well. It's not just you know the um everything that he does in metallica it's it's everything else as as well and it kind of makes a complete package and the portals i, I was just going to mention that one right because just it, fantastic stuff yeah but also the like look what he does for um the monster community right like as far as like horror horror movie art you know like mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, when he talked about it, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, most of the time you're not going to see these collections. And I started thinking about it and thinking about myself as a kid. I'm like, no, I got to get these out for people to see. And, like, that's why Hammett is a class act, right? Because, you know, Metallica has a ton of money. And Mm -hmm. I do not begrudge them a single cent. They have earned every cent um, 10 times over. And I remember having, like I literally last weekend had an argument with, um, the parent of one of my kids' friends where we were talking about that and they were starting to give Metallica crap for fighting Napster. Oh, well they have enough money. I'm like, no, I said, you can't say that. I'm like, I'm like, do you understand that they were living in starvation to, to make those songs? Like, well, I'm like, no, 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 there's no, well, I'm like, they were starving. Like, like there, there was no money. There was nothing. They had to work other jobs to do what they were doing. They were literally living in starvation to bring this art into the world. Who the hell are you to say, well, you've made enough money from that. You can't put a price on their suffering. You know, like no, that's no. ridiculous, you know? So, yeah. Um, and it's, it's not, sorry, it's not just Metallica that they were fighting for. They were fighting for... You know, like everybody, Napster, like everyone, they're yeah, fighting like for the there's... future Metallicas. They're fighting for the people that nobody knows about that are sleeping on friends' couches because they have nowhere to live because they have no money because they're trying to make it as musicians. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's the Definitely. thing is, is like like all that Metallica has never lost that. Kirk and James have never lost that, right? Like they still have mm. Metallica night at for the um the San the um what the San Francisco Giants. Right, right. They still do Metallica night there. Um, they support the. I mean, they support the indie record stores. You know, for uh, sure. Still, for like, sure. like they, they will put something tough. out there first. And we've said they, they've got the clout to make any deal they want, and they take care of the indies first. You know what? Like, what does that tell you about their character? And if more people thought like that this world would be a different place. Definitely. Definitely. I have, I have to agree. I have to agree. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great choice. All right. I'm glad. I'm sorry. I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, guitar duos. Oh, let's hear it. Because that is, that is what metal. Okay. I don't, I don't want to say is based on, but that is a huge metal trope. You know, you have iron mate, you know, with, with Smith and Murray, you got Judas Priest, that that classic KK Downing and Glenn Tipton and all that. So I thought that was definitely something that kind of made needed to make the list. And my choice for that, 
okay, because it's it's the one that kind of meant the most to me was Michael Denner and Hank Sherman from Merciful Fate. Oh, rock on. Okay. And because yeah, like you had you had those amazing classic duos and all that. But within the metal underground, yeah, you had bands that had two guitarists and all that, but very few did you equate them together as a duo. There was there's there really wasn't too many in the thrash and the black metal, the death metal duos that you could equate with the priests, the maidens. I honestly think that you could you could do that with the one-two punch of Denner and Sherman and what they did, especially on those first two Merciful Fate records. Like you 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 could tell, particularly this the signature title track, Don't Break the Oath, the way they traded back and forth and all that. It's like holy shit. Okay. These these guys got their shit together and they like playing with one another. Yeah. And I believe to this day, a couple years back, there was a, a Denner Sherman record as 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 well. So yeah, I definitely I I, I had to include them as Dude, well. That's a just, fantastic choice. It oh thank you thank you and it was always it was always so cool. Okay. Every like every year, Metal Forces magazine had their, um, you know, their fan poll. This band of the year, this album of the year, guitarist of the year, and man, yeah, yeah, Kurt Hammond was it was was there every year. Dave Mustaine was there every year, and both both Denner and Sherman would make those lists as well. Like that's two guys from the same band. Yeah. Fucking rights, man. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to point out, right, that everybody you and I have picked have still have the core things that we talked about with Chuck, right? They're showmen. Mm-hmm. Um, they're technically competent, right? Like, like they're beyond technically competent. They're insane players and they can write great songs. Yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. like that's that. Like, like yeah. if you think think about it, everybody we've talked about, like the reason we're still talking about all of them is because they wrote killer songs, and some of them are still writing killer songs. You know. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. I'm eagerly awaiting the new Metallica or the new Megadeth record. Oh yeah, I think it's gonna be good. Yeah. 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 What else you got? All right. Here's my next pair. Angus Young and Malcolm Young. Ah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, they 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 were especially Angus. They were the guys that, if this was a top twenty list, Angus would be eleven. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like this is this is hard. This goes back. This is why I was saying. To make a list like this, if you're just going to, I like that song, I'll put him on the list. Okay, shut up. Okay. You're not giving it any thought. The fact that Angus fucking Young is not in my top ten on this list here tells you just how hard this is. Well, and Iron Maiden's not in mine. And I love Iron Maiden. (laughs) But it's so hard. 
you know, it is. Like, it is. And the thing this this just is like you know, you and I could easily come up with a list of a hundred guitar players, putting them in an order. F that. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. anyone who's trying to assign a number, like, I just feel like, listen, they're in this order because we had to put them in some sort of order. You know, <laughs> I, I, I would do chronological more than anything else just to say, like, so you could see, like, hey, this begets, begat this, begat that, you know, kind of thing. But, like, Angus, <laughs> Angus is, is um, in the vein of Jimi Hendrix where... He, you know, learned from Chuck Berry, and I mean, Angus is almost like uh, like a Keith Richards, you know, because he's he's got that jangly rock and roll, right? Like like you you hear the mm-hmm. roots rock and roll, you hear Chuck Berry in Angus's playing, but Angus takes it to a whole new level, you know. But but it still has got that soul and that swing, like like what Hendrix brought to it, right? And so, oh, for sure, you know, my my signature Angus is going to be Back in Black. Because, uh-huh. like, that guitar solo, to me, that is, like, the perfect guitar solo. And it's not just because of Angus. It's because of the way the rest of the band um, reacts. Because when you have that dun, those staccato notes, that dun, wah, dun, 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 you know, and the guitar, da, 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 and then the band builds up with them, and the solo builds, like, holy crap. Like to this day, I still get chills when I hear that. Right, so <laughs> for so sure. like, that's for sure. a signature moment. But then Malcolm, right? Malcolm Young is the reason we have another very important guitar player that's on the list. And Malcolm Young is like, man. And again, like, there's, I have rhythm guitar players on here, like you know, Hetfield, uh, Angus Young, somebody else coming up. Or I'm sorry, Malcolm Young, and nobody really thinks of them as great guitar players. But what would ACDC be without Angus Young holding that down? Oh, for sure, for you sure. Know? Like pe- people have criticized ACDC all these years of oh, another year, this you know, another ACDC record. It sounds just like the last one. They've got a formula. They've got all that. No, how about just the fact that the Youngs have their own signature sound. Well, yeah, and the entire you family know, apparently can play guitar. Like, <laughs> well, that helps too. Yeah. Anytime they need another guitar player, they just pull another family member. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? Is this just like genetic? You can all play like this? Like what? Yeah. I but guess so, so my signature Malcolm song is If You Want Blood. Ah. Just that over just killer, killer intro, right? And yeah, yeah, you can hear that it's very rock and roll. There's a lot of still that that Chuck Berry kind of influence, but the way they play it, the staccato, the palm mutes, and then the big open chords, that is where we start to get the metal, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what turns on a Dave Mustaine, turns on a James Hetfield, turns on a Kirk Hammett. We're like, oh, yeah. Like here's the heavy that jin jin. You know, you start to get that that heavy palm muting sound there. So yeah. So um, it, it's like I could I couldn't pick one without the other because they're both so integral integral to the sound. And that's the same they're thing. Package deal. Yeah, it's the same way with with Kirk and James. Like. You, you don't have Metallica without both of them, you know? Mm-hmm. 
right. What's, what, what's yeah. your next one? Um, uh, I'm uh, here's here's a guy. Okay, he's an amazing musician. He helped spearhead an entire subgenre. But I don't know if Chuck Schulander of Death gets the credit for being an amazing guitarist and for everything that he has contributed. Like when when Death first started out with the with the scream bloody gore, it was just brutal brutal straight up death metal. It was the Evil Dead movie put to music, okay, and which is exactly what 16 year old snowy wanted and i loved it okay and scream bloody gore is still one of my favorite records through over all of chuck's storied career and here's a guy who was taken from us way too soon and you know fortunately it wasn't self-inflicted it was just a tragic tragic natural causes okay but we saw chuck just not only grow as a person and a man, but as a musician from just brutal death to start mixing up a little bit with more progressive style death. And then to what I do, those last couple records and, you know, his various side projects and all that. He was more of a, a prog metal band that was yeah. just really fucking heavy. And, and all that and i don't think that you know like when people think of chuck Schulander, they just think oh he was the guy that started death metal uh, i think there was a lot more to it than that i i completely agree and i, I honestly on all points dude like i i think that other guitar players give him the credit right like i like oh yeah know, musicians music like, connoisseurs you yes. know Dave, you know, like let's take Dave Kirk and James. Like they're all gonna like salute Chuck. They're gonna be like, no, he's a badass. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're right. Like like outside of the metal community, nobody knows that name. Right. And inside the metal community, yeah. they're just like, well, yeah, he started death metal. You know. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. there was definitely a lot, and you could see the progression from death to something that Chuck felt like there was something in him that he wanted to get out he wanted to showcase what he was doing that's third album spiritual healing really started to showcase what he really wanted to do and altering the future that song just capulates that yeah. for sure for sure good stuff good stuff and chuck left us way too soon oh, and it's just it's it, it, one of my rock and roll regrets is i never never met the guy i never the closest thing i ever came to a chuck Schulander interview was i was doing a little black and white fanzine uh, years ago and i only ended up doing one issue because little snowy came along so your priorities kind of change yeah i had i had an interview with chuck Schulander ready to go i didn't do it one of my contributors did it you know that was better connected you know than I was at at the time. He contributed. It was all ready to go, and it just never happened. And it's like, ah, ah, yeah, yeah. Regrets I've had a few. That was, oh yeah, dude. That's def definitely one of them. So yeah, check out this spiritual healing record. Great stuff. Great stuff. What you got? All right. 
this guitarist not known ever for being a lead guitarist. Okay. And he will tell you that a thousand times over. Um, Malcolm Young is his hero. Okay. Um, to the point where, you know, he, he had his own merch up that had uh, 42, 39, 56 on a t-shirt. Um, and for anyone who doesn't understand that reference, that is a whole lot of Rosie. That's Rosie's measurements. Measurements, right. Yeah, they call it the song. Uh-huh. 42, 39, 56. <laughs> you can say she's got it out. You know, so... Again, Breaking the song. stereotypes. Between that song and Queen's Fat Bottom Girls... Oh, yeah, I do. They, those two songs made guys take a look at a, kind of a heavier girl twice. Yep. Never and, had a woman, and more power never to had a woman like you. Yeah, yeah, more power to them. Yeah. So, yeah. Scott Ian of Anthrax. I was going to say, I was going to say, like, once you said, it's like, okay, I was thinking to myself, he's... He's talking Scott Ian. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, right the, and the thing is, like, you know, um, Scott, Scott is the sound of anthrax, you know? And, and the funny thing is, like, I didn't realize that Scott didn't write um, as many of the riffs as I thought he did. I really had no idea that Charlie wrote so many riffs, right? But Scott's still the guy that delivers them. He's the one who's, you know, going to record it and get it down. And he's the sound. And the signature song that I chose, like, so you can kind of understand what this sounds like, is their cover from the Pina Cafessin EP of uh, Friggin' of the Riggin' by the Sex Pistols. Ah, he's the type of musician that can take any song from another artist and make it his own. Yeah. Yeah, well... For sure. For case sure. in That's point. That's what made you think of that, yeah. Um, shit, what was the, the Black Sabbath song from the I'm the Man EP? Yeah, Sabbath Boy Sabbath. Sabbath. Sabbath, yeah. J- just the way... And, you know, I've heard the original, I'm like, oh, yeah. like, And, and it's hard because when you hear the original it, after hearing Anthrax first, it's nowhere near as heavy. And then mm-hmm. you hear Anthrax do it, and you're like, well, yeah, why, did, why didn't Black Sabbath play it like that? <laughs> like, duh, it seems like a no-brainer. But just, Jeez. you know, Scott Ian always sounds like Scott Ian, and he is the Anthrax sound. And when you listen to Friggin' and the Riggin', there's a, there's a part where, you know, they're kind of doing the, um, like the, the goofing around stuff, but then when the guitars mm-hmm. kick in, the band kicks in, whereas the song starts doing that, you know, just just chugging on the eighth notes like dude every time i hear that song when when the palm muting kicks in like the the hairs on my arm raise right like they stand up because there's it's just the perfect thing that just the perfect rhythm the perfect sound like there is just nothing like that mm-hmm. you're not going to mistake you, that for anybody that is scotty yeah you know scotty and riffs yeah like just when you're just kicking back and then listening to music and all that and albums like among the living spreading the disease, they're just covered, covered in Scott Ian riffs. When you were yeah. talking about how anthrax makes songs their own. Okay. Their version of got the time, Joe Jackson. Oh yeah. Okay. Like that, 
you could take that in well they did it they recorded it they slapped it in the middle of an anthrax record it sounds like an anthrax song you oh, have yeah. to remind you have to remind people that it's a cover song yeah and then they look at you like you've got you know maggots growing out of your eyes or yeah. <laughs> or Dude. whatever like what are you talking about no that's that's an old joe jackson song man even their version of kiss is parasite oh yeah you know that's... you know what an insane kiss fan i am and mm-hmm. like their version of parasite is just as good if not maybe even a little better than kiss you know just the way when when scott comes just that guitar is just so powerful just oh it's killer dude fantastic fantastic stuff a signature track i don't know give me something from among the living i am the law and madhouse from spreading the disease yeah those that that is that is scott ian shit right there yeah yeah i am the law is a great example yeah agreed all right what do you got next i i had scott ian number six rock on dude Right on. I'm pretty sure that Ed, Eddie Van Halen is on both our lists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he is. You want to talk about an innovator? He okay. He was he not when he was well. Like I, I guess they were being called Van Halen at the time. Like the whole mammoth thing was before they really started catching on and all that. When they changed the name to Van Halen. Was he not doing his solos with his back to the audience? Yes. Because he was he was coming up with his own shit. Yeah. He didn't and want anybody stealing his legs. He didn't want anyone seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> and all that. So that that's the sound of a confident musician. Okay. And someone that's in in being inventive, coming up with some new stuff. Yeah. And I think that's something that Van Halen was always um, he he was always known for. Well, he was an innovator. Yeah. You hit it with the innovator, right? He was the next Hendrix. So Hendrix mm. blew the doors off of music, right? Nobody knew what to do. Like after Hendrix, like fuck, like every, you couldn't just play guitar and get away with a few little licks. Like you had to really be a great player like Hendrix was. And then Van Halen comes along and, you know, I, I guarantee there were people that when Van Halen hit and they heard eruption for the first time, they're just like, you know what? I'm going to pick up piano, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I'm out. Somebody hand me a violin or something. Can I get a flute over here? Like, yeah. Like, just like eruption because that was my signature song but like i i still listen to that and just go shit <laughs> you know <laughs> and that oh, was 1978 sure. right mm-hmm. that, that wasn't even no, like the 80s that. yet where that we think of for um like all the crazy guitar shredders like he really was pushing the envelope nobody was doing that in 78 you know no, no, for sure, for sure, for sure, and like all, all, all the accolades that Van Halen got over the years is just totally, totally deserved. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. A signature track for Van Halen, what like easily a song in my top five 
of everyone, but definitely my favorite Van Halen song. And the reason for this is those opening riffs to Panama. Oh, just, yeah. Just incredible. Just amazing stuff. This is a song, and I've said this on the show before. This is a song that it wasn't a Van Halen concert. It was a Quiet Riot concert. In between the two supporting acts, the uh, pre-recorded music of Panama came over the PA. The whole arena erupted for a bad pun. There. Oh, yeah. Just every, everyone went crazy with those opening riffs because everyone knew what it was. <laughs> and it's like that's that's classic Van Halen right there. Oh, absolutely, dude. And like that guy, you, you want to talk about just confidence and innovation. I have never, ever seen video footage where he was just not amazing. Right. And it didn't mm -hmm. matter what he was doing. But like, um, do you remember when Gary Sharon joined Van Halen for like an album? Right. All right. So I remember the yeah. MTV interview and they're all sitting in the studio and they're, they're sitting there talking and Eddie's never without a guitar. Never. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and he'd be like, Oh, and he's like, well, it's like this. And he just pulls up the volume, whips something out. And it sounds perfect. Mm -hmm. And it is like, how can you be that I perfect that. of a player yeah. every time? <laughs> like, 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 you and, know, and it still can't play, um, Garage Band, not Garage Band. What's the video game? Oh, Guitar Hero. Yeah, Guitar Hero. Yeah. Yes, yeah. The most yeah. amazing guitarist on the planet can't play that game for shit. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's because you know it's not like playing guitar. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was a great choice, dude. Absolutely, definitely, definitely. Okay, my number one. You already mentioned in Mr. Kurt Hammett. So my number two and the last one. On my list here, and this is definitely a dark horse. Okay, and I liked, I'm very proud of myself because I'm probably very few people would have uh, mentioned Mr. Terry Sadler. Now, who, Mr. Like, okay, you know this band. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't recognize this name at all. Okay, you, you, you might not recognize anyone from the band, you know, any of the band members. But you know Canadian Thrasher Slaughter. Oh, right. Up all we, night. Uh, sleep okay, all day. Now, you're lucky you're on the other side of the continent. Oh, I know. Oh, believe me, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not doing this uh, joke face to face. <laughs> yes, yes. The Mighty Slaughter, okay, influenced an entire, like, they were right. Okay, yeah, you had death. You had autopsy. You had possessed. Slaughter was in that conversation in terms of influence, okay? Not only that, but their signatures sound, okay, that bands like Entombed, Dismember, and all that, that would go on and take an influence from. And you you, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, the HM2, yeah. HM2, yeah, the expression kind of left my head and all that. That that was Mr. Sadler. Wow. That, you know, and not, not only did he create an, a, a whole sound, he helped influence, you know, an entire generation of death metalers 
Like there is not a death metal. Look at the second wave from the early nineties, the obituaries, the deicides, the malevolent creations and all that. I say the name Terry Sadler. They'll be like, man, do you know him? You know, <laughs> you're Canadian. Like, do you know him? Do you hang out with him? Like, what can you tell me about him? And, and all that. That's, that's the reaction. Well, that was going to be my next question. Is he still alive? He is. He okay. is. Yes. Fortunately, we need to get a hold everyone, of that guy. We do. We do. Um, he's living in Europe now. Last last I heard. But yeah, he's definitely any anyone from Slaughter from from you know we would we definitely should have on. Yeah, we definitely need and, to get a hold of him. And I know. Like you have your you're the you're the gizmo guy and all that. And I'm I'm the I'm the brutal death metal guy in between yeah. the two of us. I think if we had him in the in the creature feature hot seat, man, that would make a hell of a conversation. You're oh, absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah that, that's one we definitely have to double team. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So Terry Sadler, that's awesome. the mighty slaughter. Yeah, a little bit of a dark horse, but hey, I think it's deserved. Yeah, but you know what, though? Like, everybody that we've had on this list has had some sort of influence and, Mm -hmm. you know, and some sort of power. And you know what's funny? Like, when I think about that that top 100 list, Les Paul wasn't on that list very often. Um, He may have been on one of them, but I don't think he was on both. And... Les Paul is up there with, you know, Chuck and Bo and Jimmy, where we wouldn't have the sound we have today without Les Paul. You know, he was pioneering multi-track recording before that was a thing, you know, like he was Mm -hmm. like, nope, I got to figure out how to do this. And he did it because he wanted, um, (laughs) it's a great story. He, you know, he called his mom. And he's like, "Mom, I was playing on the radio. Did you hear me?" She's like, "Oh, all, all those guitars just sound the same. Like they all sound the same. I can't tell if it's you or not." And oh. he's he's like, "Damn it! I'm gonna make sure she knows it's me." And so he started doing this multi-tracking and this overdubbing and these it, it, these shredder-like guitar licks. So there is no way she wouldn't know it was him. <laughs> you know, and that that's what drove him. So it would be like, there, now, I know you heard me, damn it, you know. That's right. We all want to impress our moms. Yeah. Yeah, Like like just every every guitarist that we talked about tonight was some sort of an innovator, you know, had a huge influence on other guitar players and had a great song catalog. All of them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know. Definitely, definitely. Can we share um, a uh, an, an example of some of this awesome playing, if you don't mind? I want to drop a track from The Mighty Slaughter and the song that I, the very first Slaughter song I ever heard before this that awesome classic Strapato record came out. I just, I, I found a th- uh, three-song, seven-inch single. Okay, I knew it was going to be some brutal metal. I'd never heard of this band Slaughter, but just looking at the song titles, the name of the band, the cover of the 7-inch, it's like, 
I have to have this. And I bought it, sound unheard. I absolutely fell in love with it. And to this day, Slaughter is one of my all-time favorite bands. And it all started with the song Nocturnal Hell. wrap this up now <laughs> okay i said i said we weren't going to go into extra innings you called it though you said with this tonight's topic you know you and i were 
we can be chatty Cathy's and all that. So yeah, you were right, but you know what? I wanna I wanna run downstairs and I wanna turn Obi Wan Kenobi on now. So how can uh, people get a hold of us? All right. Well, so head on over to Rad Metal Six Six Six, or I guess at Rad Metal Six 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 on Instagram. Look, look for us there because that's where we post pictures of all the stuff that we talk about in the Metal Fix, right? So when Snowy's picking up a new album, when I'm picking up a new album, that's where we put the pictures. I feel like I need to put pictures up for this Friday. I might need to take some. Oh, hell. I I, I got an album I forgot to mention because I, I had a Christmas present finally get here. Hmm. <laughs> I'll try and save that for next week. But, right on. Um, yeah, so uh, at Red Metal 666 on Instagram, that's the place to check us out. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Red Metal. You know, we post stuff there. Um, the podcast, radioactivemetal.org is the home base for it. You can go there, get all the episodes, but you can also just go to any place you can get a podcast, right? Go to iTunes, go to the Google Play Store, go to... Anywhere. anywhere yeah yeah i'm telling you like like if you can find a podcast you're gonna find us and i triple dog dare you to not find us somewhere <laughs> like there it's it's pretty much impossible um because we're also members of the shiny wizards network shinywizardsnetwork.com those fine folks do wrestling podcasts they also host um our sister show a wrestling night in canada that snowy does with mm-hmm. ducky and matt and um, just great, great dudes over there, right? And thanks to those Fantastic. guys, we're on Spotify. So again, you're, there's there's nowhere we're not. Um, so yeah, we're everywhere. Uh, you want to drop us an email, radmetal666 at gmail.com. That's a good time. And I think I've hit them all. I feel That's it feels like it, everything. pretty right? much. Yeah, yeah. To get us on out of here, the mighty jungle rot. Just recently dropped a new record, A Call to Arms, on Unique Leader. I got to admit, when I saw that, it's like, okay, this is really cool. I don't know how long. I think this is their first record with that with that amazing label. But still, I got really excited, and I'm really excited to get us on out of here with the title track from A Call to Arms. In the meantime, and in between time, that's it. This has been a striker, striker. <laughs> episode <laughs> yeah yes i, I couldn't help i couldn't help but bring that up with dan in the interview as you heard there good times good times i'm snowy white and this is aaron signing off
Force. It's your purpose, not in fact. 